Hey guys, welcome to the history of FMW. This is going to be episode number 23. When we last left, Masato Tanaka had just defeated Kotofuki in a quasi-retirement angle, although he was still kind of wrestling on some of the minor leagues, and FMW was uh, fully embroiled in the entertainment wrestling uh, era. Um, our first info, or I'm sorry, our, our first news bit about FMW in January 2000 is actually, actually going to come from Big Japan, where on January 2nd, FMW, they kind of made their first official debut with that uh, company. If you want to go over what happened on that show. Yeah, uh, Kentaro Kanemura, Jado, and Ghetto hit the ring uh, at the Big Japan show on January 2nd, and they made a challenge. Um, to, Kanemura wanted a match with Kojika. He wanted, uh, and he wanted, you know, it was one of those things where I want this match with the with the owner and everything. FMW versus Big Japan in a promotional feud, and uh, Ryuji Yamakawa came out and um, with. Kajika, and he wanted nothing to do with Kanemura, so he was really upset that Kanemura would, you know, an FMW wrestler would come into a big Japan ring and make a challenge like that, and so um, the stage is set for a uh, future big Japan uh, FMW relationship, and how that came about was pretty much Kanemura at this point, you know, he was getting frustrated with the storylines and everything, and he was actually getting really annoyed with the writers, uh, the, the, um, the pay-per-view writers, the direct TV, yeah, the direct TV writing team and everything, and just frustrated with the the direction of the company. He wanted to work death matches and everything, and so he uh, reached out to Koto Fuyuki, which ironically enough, like Fuyuki is was his best friend there at the end of FMW, but he was frustrated with the writing team, which Fuyuki was one of the top writers uh, or the booking team, and so Kanemura was really up. Uh, he wanted to have death match matches and everything. Fuki put him in these WEW hardcore matches and Kanemura, you know, to try and make him happy and it just wasn't enough. Kanemura still wanted to have the barbed wire and the death, you know, the blood and the death matches that FW really wasn't going all out on anymore. And so Fuki allowed Kanemura to begin for Big Japan going forward. Um, he would, you know, he, he would he would still have to work every FMW. He'd get his contract, his $120,000 a year contract with FMW. If he were to miss one show in FMW due to a big Japan, he would be uh, fired from FMW. So it was kind of one of those ultimatums of, okay, you want to, you know, work for another company. You want to have these type of matches and everything. You miss a show due to travel. You miss a show due to injury. You're fired. So, uh, you know, took the deal and, um, that's how the and, and got in contact with Kojika and Big Japan and FNW agreed to work together, mostly through Kanemura working with Big Japan. All right, awesome. Um, so uh, okay, so this leads to the FMW show on uh, January fifth in Kurokan Hall. If you want to go over that for us, 
Yeah, so after the January 2nd show with Kanemura, Jetto, and Ghetto hitting the ring, then Great Kajika and uh, Ryuji Yamakawa hit the ring at the in FMW, and they start calling out Kanemura, and then Kanemura comes out, and he's all laughing and joking that about them coming out and everything. Yamakawa's upset. Kanemura wants a match with Kojika, but Yamakawa's like, no, I want a match with you, and uh, Yamakawa's kind of like... They need end up needing to be separated. Kojika's having to hold Yamakawa back. Um, Chakobamukai is having to hold Kanemura back. And this sets up a uh, WEW hardcore title match for Big Japan on February 22nd. So Kanemura is going to begin working um, the Big Japan schedule starting in February. Um, the only the other uh, note before the matches really was um, Chakobamukai, who we went over last episode. He was the porn star that um, started off as a heel, and then um, the Team No Respect group were. Degrade, we're dis, um, disrespecting and degrading uh, Shino Wakana, the female porn star, and he got upset about that, and he left and joined the FMW group. Well, and you know they won the WEW tag team titles at the Yokohama Arena. Well, they lost them right away, and so Chakoba Mukai is now stating he gets in the ring and he states, "I'm going to start from the beginning. You know, I'm not going to just go off my name, my um, my the semi celebrity status of a famous porn star." I'm going to start from the beginning. I'm going to work for the, you know, in the FNW dojo. I'm going to live there. I'm going to do all the young boy things. I'm going to start from the beginning. So Chakobamukai is now going to be, has announced like he's going to be a uh, opening match guy that's going to build his way up like a normal wrestler and everything. Um, the um, other, ma- the, for as far as matches go, uh, Kentaro Kanemura uh, made pretty, uh, he defeated Flying Kid Ichihara pretty easily. Um, the only real note from this match actually is the last episode Flying Kid Ichihara got really upset at Shino Akana for, uh, he felt like she was kind of looking, being interested in Ricky Fuji. And so he got really upset about that, playing the jealous boyfriend role. And so he dumped Shino Akana on the last, uh, on the last show. Well, now he comes out with Jun Kasanagi another porn star so he's kind of like look i'm upgrading and everything so now he's got a new girlfriend to make shinoma kind of jealous um the semi-main event of the show was announced as h mr ganasuke hizagats oya and mickey fuji taking on the ecw team so you know at this point it's known that ecw is now working with fnw again the last uh in december they had some ecw wrestlers tour with them and everything so you know, you're just thinking it's going to be Tajiri or Super Crazy and, um, and, and you know, mid-card ECW wrestlers. Well, it comes out, the ECW music plays, and it's uh, Kodo Fuyuki, Kyoko Inoue, Balls Mahoney, and uh, Pitbull number one. And P- Kodo Fuyuki comes out. He's in this leather jacket with the ECW Japan shirt. And um, Kyoko Inoue, a female wrestler who he had just beaten, uh, back on December twentieth, 25th for her uh, for her Neo Ladies promotion, you know. So they were they were feuding the last time you saw it. And now they're teaming up, they're partnering and everything after their match um, back on December twenty fifth. And then you had Balls Mahoney and uh, a current ECW wrestler and Pitbull number one Gary Wolf, who had, was no longer an ECW wrestler. And they come to the ring, and it's a big brawl right at the start and everything. And Kota Fuyuki. Um, you know, it, he actually, well, Shoshi Arai comes up to Kodo Fuyuki and it starts yelling like, hey, no, you lost the loser, you were fired, you lost that loser leaves FMW match, you can't come back. Fuyuki just shoves him, Arai gets right back in his face, and Fuyuki smacks him in the face, and then gets on top of the uh, table and gets on the mic and goes, this is ECW Japan, my new group, and so... 
Um, it, it ends up H gets busted open really bad. He bleeds all over. He, he's bleeding all over. They're using a fork. He's H is using a fork on balls. Mahoney. It's just a, just one of those crazy brawls type uh, with blood everywhere and everything. And Fuki would end up getting the win over Ricky Fuji with a charging lariat. And so this is to set up the new the brand new heel stable in FMW is going to be Koto Fuki's. Uh, ECW Japan. And then for the main event, um, Masato Tanaka is defending his WEW world title against Tetsuhiro Kuroda. And this is a pretty good match. It's it's um, probably their best match that they had together, um, Kuroda and Tanaka, and they wrestled each other. And um, Kuroda ends up getting the win. He, uh, it, like I said, it's a, it goes 22 minutes or so, and it's a really good match. And Kuroda gets, uh, ends up getting his biggest win of his career, finally defeating Sato Tanaka, who had beaten him uh, many times before all, for the last couple of years. Kuroda gets the win with the Lariat. So that's his big win. And now Kuroda has won the WEW World Championship. And that was just to get rid of, uh, to get the belt off of Masato Tanaka because Masato Tanaka was going to start touring with ECW uh, uh, for the next couple months. So, okay, uh, going on. Um, so on January 22nd, to continue the angle, Shoshi Arai, he went to New Orleans for an ECW show. What angle was shot there? So he's backstage at the um, the Lakefront Arena in New Orleans, and he goes up to Paul E, and he's, he wants to know, and, and Victor Quinones is there as well um, to help translation and everything. And Arai is going, okay, Fuki is saying he's a part of ECW, and um, so is this true? Like, ECW wrestler, but I don't believe him. And Paul Heyman is like, yeah, yeah, Fuki, yep, this is, uh, Fuki is an ECW wrestler, he's my friend, I've, I've officially signed him to an ECW contract, and since the FMW-ECW relationship is, you know, they're together and everything, that ECW has the right to send Kodo Fuki um, to FMW, even though he's a part of, you know, even though he lost that loser leaves FMW match and got fired and everything. So technically, he's an ECW wrestler because Paul Heyman has signed Shoshi Arai, or sorry, has signed Kodo Fuki to an ECW contract. And so this ECW group is, you know, legit according to Paul Heyman. And so, you know, that was the storyline that um, that gave the reason that Kodo Fuki was allowed to wrestle in FMW, even though he'd just been fired two months prior. And Shoshi Arai starts getting upset and everything over Fuki. Now Fuki has an out. He can come back and everything because he's officially an ECW wrestler in ECW Japan against, you know, FMW. And Paul Heyman starts getting annoyed and everything like that. And uh, Balls Mahoney shows up. And grabs so Shoshi Arai and Balls Mahoney's a part of the ECW Japan group and starts screaming at Arai. And so does uh, Roadkill and um, Sally Graziano, a big guy. And they end up throwing him up, Shoshi Arai up against the wall. And Sally um, ends up pretty much splashing uh, Shoshi Arai up against the wall. So Shoshi Arai's taking this bump against the ECW guys. So, so this is just to continue to further the FMW ECW Japan angle. And again, just gives Fuki the out. Uh, this is how he came back, even though he just lost a loser leaves FMW match. Um, this is just kind of a weird question, but um, I know that FMW, you know, the financial situation is not the best. Should they be spending, you know, a thousand bucks to fly a guy to America for a five minute angle? I think that they were also, I think that was just storyline, but also Shoshi Arai and um, 
Paul E were probably discussing things as far as Masato Tanaka, because Masato Tanaka was now touring uh, ECW at this time period. And so I would imagine they got together with Victor Quinones as the translator to kind of come up with the next couple of months. Like, okay, hey, you're going to have Masato Tanaka for two months. We're going to get Balls Mahoney. What, you know, we want these certain wrestlers for our for the big show and everything. So I think it was just more um, contract talks and everything like that, just the mer- the talent exchange and everything. And we might as well just cut this angle because um, we brought our we brought a camera and everything also so that it can air on the FNW TV. Okay. Um, okay. And then uh, in Onita news, um, Onita has been wrestling in New Japan mainly. That's his, like, main big company um what is it what are his goals for uh the first half of 2000 well as far as new yes yeah, so for um he pretty he wants that ricky choshu match he's had the matches with muda he's had the matches with shono i can say sasaki was a bust but you know he had it and now hey the whole reason he wanted the, to wrestle in new japan a year ago was so that he could have ricky choshu even though ricky She's retired, so he's still um, he's want this he wants this dream match. He knows that match is gonna make a lot of money. It's now got a year of built towards it and everything, and now it's just I need to get Ricky Choshu to come back out of retirement. And signs are kind of already there that Ricky Choshu he sees the money also, and he's already you know now it's two years he's been retired, and so he's kind of I think Onita's gotten getting an idea that Choshu is gonna want to come back. It's just a matter of when and how this match is gonna take place. So, okay, this takes us to February 22nd. Uh, on February 22nd, Big Japan, they ran Kuroken Hall. Um, and um, I'll let you go over the show, but this is one of the more famous shows uh, from this era. Yeah, uh, but like I said, the Kintaro Kanemura um, Ryuji Yamagawa feud started here. So, this is, you know, just a, a brawl all over the building. And, you know, um, it, it begins the Yamakawa uh, Kanemura feud, and Yamakawa would end up winning the BEW uh, hardcore title. Um, this is again to just kind of continue the Big Japan um, FMW feud, uh, feud because Big Japan is going to start um, working FMW, sh- like uh, Big Japan wrestlers are going to start working FMW shows. Kanemura is going to be a regular with Big Japan and everything like that. And then um, the big um, news that really came from that was um, Shadow WX. Would end, this is the uh, show with the famous fire uh, mishap where Shadow WX ends up um, in a match against uh, Mike Samples, a uh, fluorescent light tubes uh, board match. Shadow WX ends up um, climbing the top rope, pouring oil all over him, and then setting himself on fire. And then he does a splash on samples, but the fire keep stays on his shirt. And then he rolls out of the ring, and fire is all over his body. And now fan, he's next to the front row, and fans in the front row are freaking out, screaming, and everything like that, running away. And so it's this big, uh, you know, this big scrub. Um, and Shadow WX is very lucky. Lucky he didn't um severely burn himself because he ended up um screwing up big time with that spot and it's a pretty famous spot with how much of a mess up it was yeah he's on fire for a good 10 to 15 seconds and the worst part is he's running through the crowd if you watch the video now it's very shocking that more people didn't get injured what was the fallout from that because you know a lot that you know if if anything went wrong the whole building could you know i don't want to sound insane but there's a lot of fire and he's running through a crowd. So what was the fallout from that? Well, he ended up getting suspended for a month, losing pay. Uh, 
in Japan um, and Cor- Corrigan was really upset about this. And so I had always been under the impression that this was because Corrigan does not allow, fo- you know, like you're not even allowed to smoke anywhere in Corrigan besides the smoking room and everything like that. It is no fire allowed. Now, we talked about it on, in an episode back in 1995 that uh, Corrigan Hall had actually um, banned fire previously. And because Mr. Pogo was blowing fireballs at every show and everything. And, you know, it's the fifth floor of this this um, of this building and everything. So it's not like outside or anything like that. So it's it could be re- like you said, it could be really dangerous if something catches on fire and so i mean back in 1995 corrigan banned um fire and everything and so shadow wx actually went in you know he went into this corrigan didn't know about this shadow wx went into this now whether big japan knew or not i think i would imagine they knew ahead of time because i feel like he would have got a much stiffer punishment than just a month suspension but you know, I would imagine Big Japan was probably to Corrigan Hall, like, oh, we didn't know about this. We didn't know about this. Because Corrigan Hall was threatening no longer let Big Japan run shows anymore. As a result, they were so mad about this. But, you know, they ended up working things out and everything. Um, but like I said, at the time, Big Japan was, um, you know, or Shadow WX went in on this. Technically, he went in on this himself himself no one knew about this spot and so shadow wx was kind of the fall guy like hey yeah he did the, you know so big japan's telling Port Corrigan hall he we didn't know about this we didn't know about this he knew about it he he's the only one that went in on it himself and we're suspending him as a result so like i said i would imagine that they knew secretly but it's not something that they were willing to admit to corrigan hall because they were running they were at the risk of no longer being allowed to book at corrigan hall anymore um now we we uh, went over previously that FMW, they had severed their ties with working with a lot of different, different uh, companies. Why are we seeing them now reaching out to like, you know, they're, they're restarting some of these relationships. Um, is there a reason why? Well, with the, with the ECW, it was because um, they just, I mean, well, first off, you're at, they have a small roster. So these guys, these wrestlers are all facing each other for house shows and everything like that. And then, okay, you have the big show, um, and you got to have fresh matches and everything. Well, when you only have a roster of 20 guys after a couple of years that these matches start to get stale and you start running out of fresh matches. So with the ECW, they're able to bring in these foreign wrestlers that, there, you know, ECW is not the, was, you know, it's the third biggest company at the time by far. And they, but in magazines, the fan, you know, they're seeing WWF, they're seeing WCW, and they're seeing ECW. And then ECW is also sometimes airing on TV and everything on certain, you know, lo- very low, low amount of channels, but they're, they have a television show in Japan and everything. And so, you know, the fans are seeing ECW as a much bigger product than it really is, than than it is in America. So you're working, you know, so again, to have these fresh matches, a Tommy, you know, bringing in a Tommy Dreamer or a Raven for the Yokohama Arena, bring in a Balls Mahoney, and then, you know, for the Yokohama Arena show, the original deal was, hey, we'll let Masato Tanaka lose to Mike Awesome a couple times in return for Raven, Tommy Dreamer, and Balls Mahoney losing at the Yokohama Arena. Well, then... You know, there's few, there's, you know, okay, and we'll let, now the deal is let, we'll let Masato Tanaka begin working, you know, regularly for you, like we, like we did back in 1998. You can, he'll work a couple tour, you know, a couple months in, in ECW, and then we'll get some big names for our big shows, and we'll go over to that in a second. You know, they were going to get some, um, a big name in everything. 
for their big show. So that was the where the talent exchange was coming, and why they were coming up in a talent exchange with ECW. With Big Japan, like I said, it was mostly through Kanemura. Kanemura wanted to work Big Japan. Yuki allowed it. And okay, if we're gonna let Big Japan, we're gonna let you have Kanemura, but we want some mid card guides also. We want the Yamakawa for the, a Kanemura match at a big show. We want Winger, we want Hama, um, you know, for mid card Corrigan Hall shows and everything like that. And then, you know, like I said, in return, we're gonna let Kanemura lose to Yamakawa a couple times and everything. So, um, it's just a way to, you know, that so that deal was kind of already, because of Kanemura, they kind of were forced to have that deal, um, you know, to appease Kanemura, who was, like I said, getting frustrated with the FNW product. So at this time, those were the only two relationships that they that they had. But, you know, the whole reason they cut off all the ties was because Joshi Arai just felt like, we're losing all these matches. We're we're losing all these interpromotional matches, and these deals aren't worth it. When we're you know with Battle Arts, a much smaller company, and Battle Arts is refusing to lose to us and everything like that. So it was just you know after so much you know, and then they they had ECW issues and all that. So after you know, it just at a, a certain point they were just like enough. And so just as time went by, it was like well let's let's see if this will work. Let's see you know because again they're just such a small company, they're gonna run through matches so fast they want as many fresh matches as possible okay so that takes us to february 25th when fmw ran kuroken hall if you want to go over that for us yeah so um they announced um that uh that there was going to be a new wrestler and um it ended up being the former gasako gashugawera he had been fired back in january of 99 um i, I may mention you know he just never was a good wrestler he had um, he had his demons. He still is battling with alcohol and everything to this day. I don't know if that's why he got fired back then, but he definitely had a lot of issues back then as well. And um, FNW has rehired him. He's actually going to go under his real name, Asuza Kudo. But the storyline is that he is he went to Thailand, and so during this year off and everything, he went to Thailand, and he got a sex change. So he um, he is now going to be a transvestite, uh, a, yeah, a post-op transvestite. And so he's going to work the women matches. So it's a way to, again, and I've gone over this previously, the women's division was very thin. I mean, it was Kaori Nakayama, and it was Emi Motokawa at this point, and they were just now getting Kyoko Inoue, who was working with the men. And um, so it's just Kudo, I mean, sorry, it was just Nakayama and Motokawa having singles matches pretty much for months and months. Well, let's have a fresh match. Well, we don't want to hire new girls or anything like that. Let's hire, um, you know, let's just rehire Gasaku. And so, like I said, they had this gimmick where he um, had a sex change and everything. So now he's a female. And it's a way to have, like, a hand, it's a way to have, um, these women matches and everything, but also kind of have like this monster heel in the women's division. So Nakayama and uh, the matches Kaori Nakayama and Imi Motokawa against Azusa Kudo and Nakayama and Motokawa, they're kicking him low and he's no selling it because nothing there anymore. He's waving his finger. Nope, that's not going to work. And he just ends up destroying um, Motokawa in just two minutes. So they're not expecting these to be good matches or anything. It's just to have something going on in the women's division other than Nakayama and Motokawa uh, have just single matches day after day. And then um, Tetsuhiro Kuroda, uh, he would end up defending the WEW uh, world title. He would end up defeating Willie Takayama. I may mention last episode that 
that was Hito doing a new martial arts gimmick. So they kind of gave him a gimmick refresher, and he had he won a bunch of matches. So it was just to pretty much build up Takayama to lose to Kuroda. And so Kuroda would end defending his WEW title, and that was pretty much... Takayama would continue on for a couple more months, but that was pretty much the end of the Takayama karate push. He kind of get would get pushed back to the mid-card and everything. And then... Um, the main event was Koto Fuyuki and Kyoko Inoue uh, challenging for the WEW uh, tag team titles against H and Mr. Ganesuke. The um, big setup for this match actually was not, um, was um, the uh, on one of the house shows, Kyoko Inoue had actually ended up pinning H after a bunch of interference and everything like that. Or, and so H had lost to a woman. So it was kind of like one of these like embarrassing things of H, you know, the top guy, and he to a women's wrestler and everything and um so Kodo Fuyuki and uh Kyoko Inoue actually end up winning the WEW tag team titles after um Kodo Fuyuki ends up rolling up Mr. Ganesuke with a Samson clutch this is not anything really of a match or anything I mean not necessarily a good match this wasn't the best of shows or anything like that um but yeah like I said Fuyuki ended up rolling up Ganesuke with the Samson clutch he ends up getting the win um Fuyuki and Kyoko Inoue end up actually kissing afterwards and um the big ending to this show is um all the FNW wrestlers getting together and Shoshi Arai ends up playing his guitar while all the wrestlers sing along with him and everything to end the show Shoshi Arai was a very talented musician with the guitar and everything and he just wanted to show off his guitar skills to the crowd and everything but this is probably like one of the low so this is probably we're hitting pretty at the low point of FMW as far as just the crowd as far as the matches you know the Kuroda Tanaka match is probably the only really good match at this point in the first two show two first two Corrigan Hall shows um all the other matches have been really nothing you know this show was really nothing the interest uh, is really starting to decline um and they're feeling it and and um FNW is kind of realizing right away they're gonna probably need to make a change here soon which leads us to February 26th when they held a meeting backstage uh what was this meeting about so it was actually at the FMW office in Gotanda um, the next day after the show, after the uh, February 25th Corrigan Hall show. And Ezeki uh, Ezeki is um, going to the office, and he thinks that they're going to go over the FMW May 5th, 2000 Komazawa show. That's going to be the big show of the first half of the year. And that was the plan going into after court, after the Corgan hall show, we're going to book, we're going to book the Komazawa show, how, and how we're going to get everything to it, uh, lead to it. And so Ezeki ends up going into the office and he sits down and Koto Fuyuki gets up and he, they're not talking about May 5th. Their first thing Koto Fuyuki gets up, he, he gets, he stands up and he goes, Hayabusa needs to come back. We got to get rid of H. And, Ezeki's like shocked, like what? Like eight, you know, and Fuyuki goes, ticket sales have gone down ever since H has ever since Hayabusa the Hayabusa gimmick was retired and H took over. Gimmick uh, the ticket sales have been going downhill since. Then there's no sign of improvement unless Hayabusa comes back. That's the only thing that's gonna save us. So like I said, H Ezeki is like, what? I, you know, he's like silently going, I, I, I can't believe this. Like, you know, he's taking this hard and everything. Like, he can't believe that this is what the meeting's about. And um, they want to get rid of H. And so Shoshi Arai gets up and he goes, I agree with Fuyuki. 
Um, you know, we got him high boosted back. And what do you think, Eziki? Like, what, what? How do you feel? And as and Eziki's like, okay, I guess. Like, you know, he's he goes with it. I mean, but he, inside, he's taking it hard. He, he's taking it as a personal hit. Like, this is a failure. You couldn't get H over. Um, you know, this gimmick that you came up with and you had all these great ideas for, and, you know, it's not even six months pretty much. I mean, it's been exactly six months at this point, and they're, they want to get rid of it and scrap it completely and everything. And um, and, and and also, so i make mention real quick, I asked Hayabusa actually, and I knew the answer, but he, but he actually did think about it. But I go, what did you like better, the H gimmick or the Hayabusa gimmick? And he told me he liked the H gimmick. Now, again, he did he did take a couple seconds to think about it. I, I just figured he liked the H gimmick. You could just tell he's having more fun. He's, you know, it's more his, who he is is more H than he is Hayabusa. And everything, and on top of just the whole high, you know, the high flying and everything. So, but like I said, you know, so he's really crushed inside and everything that they're having to change the, you know, that his gimmick that he came up with is a, is a flop and everything. And so our Arai ends up writing on the whiteboard, okay, we need to come up with ideas how to bring Hayabusa back. And so they write some options. Are we going to do fan voting? Do we vote, you know, have the fans vote? Does Hayabusa come back knowing the answer is going to be yes? Do we have a heel come in and challenge Hayabusa going, I'm not going to fight H. We're going to, you know, I just want to fight Hayabusa. Or should we have H kind of start to become a heel? And, you know, and then H, you know, Ezeki starts to feel the H character becoming its own and, and becoming selfish and a heel and everything like that. And Ezeki realizing he has to become Hayabusa before, you know, the heel completely takes over him and everything like that. So those were the options. And they go, you know, what do you think, Ezeki? And Ezeki goes, let's do the heel option. Let's, you know, let's have... So so H decide, or Ezeki decides that he's going to come up with kind of an egotistical character for H, and he goes, let's let's decide. We're gonna I'm going to become superstar H as a result, and I'm going to have a huge ego. I'm going to be kind of a jerk to my friends and everything like that, and you know I'm going to realize I need to become Hayabusa and everything. So that's the idea that they they go with. Well, Fuki, to his credit, he you know, and it's only been two months. He also goes, you know. You know, the H gimmick's not working. We got to go back to Hayabusa. But also, this ECW Japan thing's not working out either. Like, it's, it, you know, it's not working. Ticket sales are down, have been down for the last two tours. Um, you know, me in this black leather jacket and black tights and everything, this looks not working. I need to come up with a change and eventually get rid of this ECW group as, as well. ECW Japan group as well because it's not working. Nothing's working right now in FMW, and we need to just change it right now because right now everything's not not working, and we need to do something before ticket sales fall completely. And uh, there's, I mean, I you know, I'm just curious. There's no idea of like no one saying, hey, maybe it's this sex change, uh, dynamite butthole dog food wrestling that's driving the fans away. No one's saying that. Well, the thing is, is you can't. 
you, you're you've already settled on this entertainment style that you you feel like this is your direction and everything, and you're trusting Koto Fuyuki to be the uh you know the the booker and everything and you know yeah this was an issue and everything but it's not something they felt like we could just change this let's fire fuyuki let's bring back onita you know or let's just start having death matches it was this is what you know this is what we're going to do and this is we trust fuyuki we don't feel like anyone else is capable of being the top booker and everything he has you know and and to fuyuki's credit he would come up with some good storyline i mean not storylines because a lot of these storylines are not good or anything as, as well but you know, a lot of the directions were better than, um, you know, they if someone else became Booker or, or something like that. And then plus, no one was really wanting to be Booker as well. So it was just kind of like, Fuki's willing to do it. Let's go with it. And, you know, a lot of the wrestlers weren't happy, but some of the wrestlers were. And another thing was, this is now your audience as well. You've already chased off all those uh, Deathmatch FMW fans, Onita and everything. These are the fans that are just following you on DirecTV, which, again... Is paying you millions of dollars at the po- this point to have this direction and everything. So it's again, it's just one of those things where you can't just go, well, no, we're changing it completely. Screw this, we're going back to this because already you you've already settled on this. And and also, uh, I mean, uh, and I don't believe it's true. Shoshi Arai is believing this is what's drawing. You know, the little bit that we're drawing, it's because of the entertainment style and everything. So you have somebody in charge thinking something that's probably not correct, but it's something that he feels. And again, his friend, you know, he's pretty close with Fuyuki and trusts Fuyuki. And this is how Fuyuki feels with the, you know, how booking should be if you're going to go the entertainment route. So it's just kind of, it's not so easy to be like, we need to get rid of the, the stupid gimmicks and everything because you've already just settled on, this is what we're going to do. We, and you just can't go back just like that. Or at least that's not, I feel if I mean if, if it was possible they could have they definitely never thought that because they were willing to ride this ship to the very end going under this you know going under this style I get it from a business point of view you know you have to ride out your choices okay um, but you know also it's funny like like uh-huh, yeah. I was gonna say like it's funny because you know Kanemura is not liking this style at all but then him and Yuki are like best friends and everything like Kanemura loves Yuki but they're not it's kind of that Vince Russo thing you were talking about though where it's like you know it's Fuki going well, well I may be the main booker but I don't have final say and these this is getting overcalled and it's not my fault it's like this you know like Vince Russo kind of was doing where it's like oh, oh you know I'm coming up with this idea but you know it's it's oh it's it's standards and practices and stuff they're screwing with me so like you know what I mean like it's it's Fuki even though he's the head booker is going and like, oh, this is this, you know, the product's not as good, and it's not my fault type thing. And the wrestlers are believing it too. Yeah, well, and as we said, because he's actually actually giving them stuff to do, they're finally getting characters. Of course, they want to back him up and keep it yeah. going. Um, it's uh, it's yeah. tough. <laughs> it's tough because so, obviously no one can see the the future. No one knows how bad this is going to crash and yeah. burn. Yeah, no, the thing is, and we'll go over here in a second, we'll go over here in a, like, when they die, and when FMW closes down, but it's like, I knew FMW was closing down, but every wrestler I asked, did you know FMW was closing down? And they're like, no. I was shocked. You know, they were all surprised, and it's like, I knew a month ago, I knew a month before it closed, like, this is not going to last much longer, like, it's about to die, and everything, and then, yeah, like, a month later it dies, and, I mean, Kanemura, Ghanaske, like, I had no idea. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, I've seen so many uh, uh, ECW documentaries where they're all like, oh, no, it's going to come back in a yeah. month. I mean, even after it's closed, they think yeah. it's coming back. You know, people just, they want to yeah. believe. Exactly that, yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, okay, uh, going on now, around this time, this is, I've been dying to talk about this because I've never known what actually happened. You know, there's a lot of rumors and rumblings. But around this time, there starts uh, being rumors um, about uh, that th there's going to be an Onita versus Terry Funk explosion match in the U.S., and it's going to be probably promoted through the CZZW company. Now, um, I'll save a lot of my comments for the end of the the show because we're going to talk about it now and then when it happens in June, but um, who are the companies putting this match to, uh, um, in place? AD Vision, uh, which was an anime and horror movie distribution at the time. Um, Zandig is pretty much saying, you know, hey, we have this deal with them. They're going to sponsor the show and everything. Uh, we're going to have um, this big death match uh, between Terra Funk and Onita. It's going to be, you know, an explosion match. It's going to be at a, a stadium in New Jersey. Um, and so he's popping this show up like it's going to be the biggest thing ever. It's going to be live on pay-per-view. And um, and we can go over here in a little while, but it, nothing, he, everything he says ends up not happening at all in regards to uh, this show. Um, also in their um, in uh, CZW news, um, they've announced that they're going to start touring with Big Japan in March. Um, now they wound up staying through 2001, and we're not going to talk about it uh, too much. Um, but uh, do you have any thoughts about the the uh, the CZW Big Japan feud that continued for the next like eighteen months or so? Yeah, I mean, I think I have the opinion that most people have that it was a big mistake for Big Japan. Um, they ended up bringing a lot of wrestlers that really weren't that good. Um, Yamakawa would end up taking uh, a, a white beater would end up messing up a spot uh, on a table, where he, and Yamakawa ends up landing wrong on his head, and he ends up a bruised brain as a result and he's he's out for eight months and and i mean never really became he never really was fully the wrestler that he had been previous to the injury and everything and so um john zandig who was czw owner he at the time he um announced he told big japan like hey if you work with me big japan and czw have this relation working relationship I know I have a context to where I can get Big Japan on this international DVD service where DVDs of Big Japan will be sold all over the country, all over the world and you'll you're going to get so much money from it if you work with me and so Big Japan is like oh yeah okay yeah you know they're they're all in on this and and hey the CZW guys you know they work the same kind of style the deathmatch style they're willing to take all these bumps and everything and Zendig and all that go okay but you know I want full control of everything that has to do with me and CZW guys like there's no you're not gonna I'm not gonna job a, Z, a CZW guy without me knowing and everything so Big Japan gives him the full right to book however he wants his guys and he ends up bringing you know a bunch of his guys there um over the next year plus or so and but I mean I would I would consider it and and also he's pumping CZW up CZW up to be a much bigger promotion than it was like the whole ECW thing I was telling you about but at least ECW was in the magazines CCW wasn't even picked up on the magazines or anything like that in Japan so the 
he's you know nobody even really knows what ccw is at this point they just know it is just this american deathmatch promotion and everything like that they're, they're going in blindly but they're saying well we're big time stars in the u.s and everything like that and so big japan is just believing everything zandig is telling them and they believed him until the very end when they told him get out pretty much and you know i mean even on his way out zandig leaves the big japan on the biggest show that big japan's ever done the semi-main event, he defeats Matsunaga and leaves with the Big Japan title because he had full control, and then Big Japan's like, we don't care, get out. So, like I said, they had uh, definite buyer, buyer's remorse. The DVD deal never happened. Um, they just, and they pretty much just expelled the, BG, uh, the ZZW guys and just wished it had never happened, and they pretty much had to start over because of just all the issues that it caused, which included losing... Uh, Tomoaki Hama also during that time period. Hama ended up leaving during that time period because he was done with the CCW talent and everything. And so, I mean, they lost a big time talent right there. Yeah, I mean, I I could talk about this at length. Um, not, now is not the time to do it. But, you know, I, I just want to say one thing for anybody listening. This is such a rose-colored uh, glasses era where it's like this feud really sucked. It hurt so much talent. It almost put the company out of business. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, one of my long-term goals is I want to get in contact with a couple people and I want to create like, you know, kind of like what we're doing now, but I want to do it specifically about that like 20 months because it was so defining for that era and it, it, you know, it, it's, it's a big story that people don't really realize because all they see is like little YouTube tube clips of people getting run over by cars and falling off of trucks and it's like, no, it kind of sucked. But oh well, uh, that's for another show some other day. So going on to March, um, I want to talk about one talent really quickly. Uh, the one talent who winds up coming to FFMW for quite a few tours is actually Balls Mahoney. Um, what was his reputation like? Uh, and uh, you know, for FMW to bring him back, you know, three or four times, uh, like what was his stay like? Well, he, yeah, he was willing to do it. It was a, a natural ECW wrestler. He was willing to have bloody matches. And, you know, I mean, for all the entertainment stuff, I mean, FNW still had a lot of blood and, and hardcore matches and everything like that. They just didn't do the barbed wire or, you know, they weren't running shows with explosives anymore at this point and so um but they you know he they were happy with him he was a mid-card talent i mean he wasn't in, by any means a good worker or anything but he was the type you know again and it goes into the fresh matches like you can have they had a match h versus uh balls mahoney h just gets the clean win and everything but it's a solid main event for a 600 seat building and everything instead of just your standard tag match and and everything but i, I mean by you know i mean even by I mean, really ever, but like, especially by the second month or so, he wasn't in the main event matches anymore, unless it was a tag match. I mean, he, they put him in the mid-card matches. Some matches were god-awful. I didn't even go over a match. Um, it was with uh, Lance Cade in, uh, in Balls Mahoney um, on February 25th. It was a god-awful match. I mean, so he had anchors and everything, but um, I mean, he, fil he filled his role of just being, you know, Fuki's top two, top three guys in the tag match. And so that there was a little bit of legitimacy um, to the ECW Japan group. Because like I said, you know, the group was Fuki, Inoue, 
um, Balls Mahoney. And oh, I also wanted to make mention because I completely forgot about it. Um, during the February 25th show, I went over the Chaco Ball uh, Mukai thing. Uh, Chaco Ball Mukai actually, inter- he was the reason he interfered in the uh, Kyoko Inoue Koto Fuyuki match against H. Ganasuke. He helped Fuyuki and uh, Inoue win the titles by interfering. So he turned heel again and joined the ECW Japan group. Um, so, you know, again, farthest thing away from, you know, W Japan or ECW bringing in uh, Chakaba Makai, but like I said, the Balls Mahoney thing was literally just um, you know to have an ECW guy, and he's good, and he's willing to come, and and everything like that. So this goes on to uh, on March 11th, there was a Ricky Dozan Memorial Show. Um, if you want to just cover what was um, FMW's involvement with that show? Yeah, so it was an FNW versus Big Japan match. Um, it was H and Nahiko Yamazaki, who was a uh, he's two years uh, pro at this point, but he was, was a very preliminary wrestler. Um, you know, he was pretty much a jobber, and so he teamed up with H against uh, Ryuji uh, Yamakawa and Tomoki Honda Hama. And, um, like I said, so there's no real job guy there, Yamakawa and Hama, in that. So, um, I mean, it's a pretty good match. H uses, you know, he brings out the Falcon Arrow. He uses the Firebird Splash and everything on Yamakawa. Um, it, but it would eventually it would lead to um, uh, Hama would end up throwing out uh, H out of the ring. And he would end up doing this... Um, he would end up doing like this drop kick off the top rope on H on the outside to make sure that uh, Yamazaki would not be able to be saved by H and um, Hama and Yamakawa hit a electric chair and then Yamakawa would end up hitting a reverse tiger driver on Yamazaki uh, to get the win uh, for the big Japan team. So again, it was just like this two, two big Japan stars against H and a, rookie and so the rookie was going to do the job so uh big japan ended up getting the win and again this was probably part of that talent relationship that they had uh between the two in regards to um you know kenamura and then the whole uh, uh a couple big japan guys came april for uh, fnw's corrigan hall show all right awesome so okay this goes to the fnw march 27th show at corrigan hall if you want to go over that yeah, so again, this is not the, you know, the, these are announced as sellouts, but they're definitely not really sellouts. FNW's really struggling at this point. Um, the first match is actually, um, so the Koji Nakagawa, Jado, and Ghetto are the WEW uh, tag team champions, and they, uh, they're they scheduled to take on um, Mr. Ganesuke, Yoshinori Sasaki, and uh, Nahiko Yamazaki, uh, that preliminary wrestler, preliminary wrestler I was just telling you about. And Sasaki is a rookie as well, or, well, a two-year pro as well. And so Mr. Ganesuke was scheduled for the match. Well, um, uh, Ezeki goes, gets to the, um, to the building and everything, and it's just announced, you know, they tell him, Mr. Ganesuke's not here. And Ezeki's like, whoa, Ganesuke must be really bad off if he's not here. Like, Ganesuke never misses the show unless he's, like, seriously injured. Something must be really bad here. And so they go, well, you're going to have to work two, two matches. And so uh, H comes to the ring. He's going to team up with Sasaki and Yamazaki. Um, and this is where he gets on the mic and announces that he's going to be Superstar H now. So he, he is starting the Superstar H gimmick of I'm going to be this cocky heel like character and act like i'm you know above everybody and i'm the best and and stuff like that so anyway so uh nakagawa jado and ghetto end up getting the win over yamazaki so they defend the ww tag team titles um 
and Mr. Ganesuke would end up missing the rest of this tour pretty much until the very end. And it would turn out that um, he had suffered liver damage um, and pretty much from just drinking so much uh, throughout his life, even though he's only about 31 years old at this point. And um, so he had to miss the tour or pretty much almost the entire tour because of his uh, liver damage. And um, so in Anyway, um, then the next match was Azusa Kudo. Uh, she, he, she is Kaori Nakayama, Imi Motokawa, Yuka Nakamura. Um, Kudo just gets the win in three minutes, and um, Imi Motokawa ends up turning on Nakayama. So this is to set up now. Imi Motokawa is now going to team up with Azusa Kudo uh, against the Kaori Nakayama. So now Motokawa has turned heel. Um, and then... Um, H would end up taking on Kyoka Inoue. This is a, actually a really good match. Um, I know some of the, the saying this is one of the, the better FNW matches. I wouldn't go that far, but it is a really good match. Um, and, you know, one thing about H was he he changed so that he wouldn't have to do the high-flying moves and everything and wouldn't be expected. But the H gimmick was just not over enough that they were telling him, hey, you need to start doing some more high-flying moves. Can you do the fly- flying bird splash during this match? Can you know?" So he was having to incorporate high-flying moves to his matches, even though the whole reason that he was asked to switch from A, you know, he wanted to be get rid of the mask was so that he no longer had to do the high-flying moves, but here he is still doing high-flying moves. And so that was another reason reason why he's like fine i'll be hayabusa i'm already doing these high flying moves so much anyway even as h um so anyway so um h would end up getting the win a a very decisive over annoy to just kind of prove okay annoy the female wrestler got a win over h earlier in the year but h is definitely above annoy there was no you know no questions how you know uh it was not a squash because it went 13 minutes, but the ending is like H just standing over Inoue clear with a clear victory. And then the um, world title match uh, in the main event is Tetsuhiro Kuroda taking on, he's defending the WEW title against Koto Fuyuki. And during this match, um, uh, Fuyuki is, has his interference. There's interference and everything. Balls Mahoney smashes Kuroda over the head with a chair during the match. Well, that results in H rushing to the ring, and he starts, in, you know, attacking Fuyuki because Fuyuki's cheating and everything. And with when H runs into the ring, that makes all the wrestlers in the locker room rush to the ring. And now, so there's this big brawl and everything. All the wrestlers are coming out uh, and fighting and everything. Well, Masato Tanaka appears at, uh, from at, in the crowd from Corrigan Hall, and he rushes down to, the, you know, rushes to the ring and everything, and. You know, he'd just been wrestling in ECW and everything, and so Fuyuki thinks that he's going to, hey, he's ECW Japan also. He's an ECW wrestler. He's going to be a part of us, part of, you know, part of the group and everything. Well, Tanaka lays out Fuyuki with an elbow right away, knocking Fuyuki out and everything. So the crowd's cheering and everything, and, you know, Tanaka had that view with Fuyuki. Well, he's not, you know, he's not siding with Fuyuki by any means, and H thinks well hey he knocked Fuki out so that means he's with us he's with FMW so he puts his hand out and Tanaka slaps his hand away uh, no no I'm not a part of you either I'm not you know I'm still pissed off at you and everything the FMW group I left FMW I'm still a part of ECW I'm just not a part of Fuki's ECW and so Tanaka now you know he starts talking trash to H and everything so now there's these this feud of H and 
Tanaka, and Tanaka ends up leaving with this uh, crazy boy who was a, a um, Lucha Libre wrestler who was related to Super Crazy, was a part of this group. Um, you know, so they all walk out with Tanaka, like they're, you know, like they're uh, part of their, you know, Tanaka's now a part of their group. Like the ECW Japan group is kind of split apart, and H ends up giving the finger to um, to Tanaka. So H and Tanaka are now um, feuding uh, to set up a – that's to lead to May 5th eventually. So this is going to lead us uh, to uh, one of the bigger announcements from this time that I think uh, played a big part in F- MW's um, – uh, you know, they got pretty popular here. And that was because um, in March uh, they officially announced that they were going to be re- releasing videos in the U.S., um, if you want to go over, how did this uh, deal come to be? So Shoshi Rai, he always wanted to become a big deal in America. That was, and even at the very end, he's dreaming. You know, with FMW losing all this money and FMW being, um, you know, close to closing down, and you know, I mean, he's million. 2001 early 2002 and he's still just dreaming for this deal with with america uh, a bigger deal than the tokyo pop he felt like this tokyo pop deal was the beginning of a, a relationship with america to get uh fnw videos and everything released like you know big time distribution and everything so this was like the first step to him so tokyo pop was an ma company that was willing to um uh, air, release these fnw footage and everything because at the time, you know, there was a FMW, you know, I mean, even in America, FMW wasn't really known for the sports entertainment aspect. You know, a lot of most Americans would still consider in 2000 and I mean, even to this day, but I mean, especially in 2000, you think of FMW, you think of Onita, you think of the exploding barbed wire, the exploding rings and all that. Well, Tokyo Pop is willing to, you know, work deal with FMW and Toshiba MI. So, it would be essentially FNW is leasing out the Toshiba MI um, footage to Tokyo Pop, so Tokyo Pop is able to air all the footage and everything. So the first, so yeah, they come up with the deal. This was actually they came up with it right after the Yokohama Arena show. They announced this deal back in November 1999, and so um, they come up with the first two videos and everything, and it's um the probably the two best shows as far as establishing the product which was the very first Toshiba EMI EMI show which was um the um and they called it Le- Legend Dawns and it's just to kind of establish Hayabusa and his feud against uh, uh, Michael Awesome and they, there's a singles match against Hayabusa and Mike Awesome back in um May 5th 1996 Kawasaki Stadium show and they that was an easy promotion there because you could promote Cactus Jack. He was on the show. Mick Foley was really popular in 2000 around this time period. So that could be like the big star that they promoted around. You know, you have Terry Funk on the show. You have an exploding ring match on the show. You have Megumi Kudo and Combat Toyota and everything. So you have these awesome matches and everything. And, you know, they can be distributed on DVDs and, and everything. Well, they they come up with this idea of having a right team and coming up with their own storylines. And... um. They hired two announcers, John Watanabe, who was a, I mean, he was an observer reader and everything like that. So he was, he's a real wrestling fan going back all decades and everything. But they hire Eric Geller, who is this comedian pretty much. And they try to make it, they're trying to um, 
establish themselves to like the lowest common denominator fan and everything. And so they come up with storylines for gimmicks, combat Toyotas now. Now, you know, the dangerous mother-in-law and, and Kanamura is a clown and they come up with all these storylines and, and, oh, they're at the ringside, you know, they're calling the matches like they're live and everything. And um, they do break, uh, backstage segments with, with like these two Japanese girls in bikinis and everything, doing wrestling moves and everything. I mean, yeah, it's pretty much their target audience is 14, 15-year-old boys that are super into WWF and ECW and everything. And, um... You know, um, it would eventually, you know, that's probably the best thing that they're known for is how bad the commentating is um, and everything. And then um, so they release about six or eight DVDs and everything. And after a couple months, they realize, all right, every, we're getting lamb blasted for how bad the commentating is. We need, you know, and just making up our own storylines and writing our own stuff, having Hollywood writers come up with scripts and everything. We're going to do a legitimate, you know, we're going to tell the actual storylines and everything. So I actually got contacted by Tokyo Pop in January 2001 going, can we use your website? We want to, like, know the storylines because they didn't really know the storylines and everything going on. And so they apparently used my website. They asked permission. I said, sure. Uh, and um, they went through by, you know, they went and, and um, came up, you know, with the legitimate storylines and everything that was going on with FMW and everything. Um, and then um, they pretty much what the problem was is they, they, they fired Eric Geller, but they brought in Dan Levansky. Levansky. Um, he was working for um, a, the, the, um, to, the, the Toronto wrestling uh, radio show. I'm forgetting the name, but it's really popular at the time and everything. But um, he, they brought him in and, you know, he was a smart fan and everything. And they got rid of the Hollywood writers but the problem was the commentating still just wasn't good. I remember being so excited. They came out with two new DVDs uh, in 2001, uh, the Yokohama Arena from May, from April 29th, 1997, and um, the, a, a Hayabusa Custom DVD and everything. And I remember being so excited. I couldn't wait. I got the DVDs the first day they came out and everything. You know, this is different. I have legit, it's going to be legitimate storylines. They're not going to be making jokes or anything. And like I said, I watched it and it's like, eh. The commentating wasn't like offensive, but it was just kind of, kind of boring. And they took away some features that I was, I actually enjoyed because you could on the DVDs, you could actually switch over to the Japanese commentary and everything. And you couldn't with these new, with the new set and everything. So um, I was kind of, kind of dis I mean, just overall, I was disappointed. I still use them and like them because um, one, um, you know, it's nice to have some of these this footage on DVD and not just a VHS, but also the, it did come in handy because they used legitimate translations and everything. So I was able to pick up a lot on the uh, interviews and everything, post-match interviews of what the wrestlers were saying and everything. And it especially came in handy when they um, went into this, when they started doing the sports entertainment era DVDs and everything and started using the Fuki stuff. And a lot of it's, you know, really difficult to follow and everything. So it, it, it helped me a lot personally because it was able to, um, you know, have commentary so I could get a better handling of, of the storylines and what was being said around the Fuki time and everything. But uh, pretty much, yeah, most people would know, uh, a lot of people know FNW from the Tokyo Pop. They were in FYE stores probably up until like five years ago even. They were there forever. I would go there and always see a whole bunch of F F F FNW videos. So it was cool to see that, you know, them being distributed across the country. But, um, I mean, 
nothing it didn't take off or anything like that it didn't become the big deal Shoshi Arai was wanting but um I mean like I said I mean it had a niche audience and it I mean a lot of fans do know FMW through Tokyo Pop so it did help somewhat but it wasn't the big savior that FMW was hoping that it would lead to and uh, do you know, uh, how were they paid for it? Were they paid on selling the, the DVDs or were they given just one sum for the, the footage? I either sold on, just given a, a, sum, uh, a sum amount. It, it, didn't, it didn't matter how much um, Tokyo Pop did. Tokyo Pop was going to make the money off how well they did, but they were hoping if they did really well, other companies would find out and then they would get a bigger distribution company because look, this is such a big deal. And I mean, at the, and that was the time, I mean, 2000, 2001, that was, you know, when Backyard Wrestling, Hardcore Wrestling was probably at its peak and everything. Um, and they felt like that was, you know, that was kind of, you know, all, all Japan, New Japan in 2000, 2001, they weren't getting DVD companies with from America because, you know, F&W had the, the hardcore reputation and everything. And they felt like they could use, you know, they could use that to their advantage. But again, problem was they only had so much hardcore footage before they went over to the entertainment direction. Just you know, three years into Toshiba EMI, EMI, you know, distributing their videos and everything. So at a certain point, they ran out of the hardcore wrestling footage and everything. So yeah, like I said, you know, I mean, by the end, they're showing the Fuki stuff, and I mean, I don't think that did as well. I don't think those did anywhere even close to being. Uh, you know, being sold very well, especially at the end and everything. But I mean, I think the first couple of sets did decent, like the King of the Death match, the Kawasaki Stadium show, the um, the first Legend Dons DVD. I think those did well, but by the end, I don't think they were even doing very well. Let alone, you know, enough to get a distribution company, uh, get a bigger company to pick them up or anything like that. So um, the uh, this company, uh, PM Entertainment and Barnholtz Entertainment, they reached out to FW and they. Um, you know, pretty much told FMW like, "Hey, we want to have a movie with Hayabusa as the main star and everything. He, we're gonna have this wrestling movie, and he's gonna be, you know, the, we're gonna it's gonna be built around him and everything. And we um, we really want to participate in this movie. He'll have a couple lines, you know, he'll he'll be have a couple lines with the main American co-stars, and he'll um, wrestle this match and everything. And so Hayabusa here's, you know, hey, you can go to Hollywood for free." Um, you can, um, you know, just a couple days and you're going to be the star of this movie and everything. So Hayabusa is like, sure, of course I'll go and everything. And then, um, so he goes to Hollywood and he ends up spending five days in Los Angeles. And I mean, it was a B movie. Um, it wasn't by any means a big, you know, it was pretty much straight to, uh, VHS DVD actually. So, but, um, you know, at this time he just hears movie Hollywood, you know, you're the star and everything. So he arrives on set and they have, they give him a trailer and everything. And, you know, he's feeling like, Hey, I'm a big time star here and everything. And, um, he asked for the script because like the big thing is, okay, he knows he's going to have to speak some English in this, in this movie. And that's kind of a difficult thing to, you know, a lot of pressure when English isn't your first language and everything. And so he feels like he needs the time to learn it because since it's going to be in English and they let him know like, Hey, um, we're not going to give you a script yet out of the fear of it being released too soon. Like we don't want this coming out. We give you a script. You're going to, um, you know, show you're going to give it away. You know, it'll be spoiled. We have to keep it secret and everything. Um, so, you know, it doesn't go out to the public or anything. So Hayabusa ends up spending most of the time just, just sitting there for hours. He's just hanging out 
and everything. And um, eventually, you know, the script gets, you know, he's given the script just prior to filming. So, like, right before he's about to come out, they give him a script. Okay, learn it and everything. And but the thing was, he didn't have that much of a big part in the movie. He only had to learn five pages of the script. There was only like three scenes, really, and two of them are only two included him like speak and everything. There's uh, one scene where he's in the limo and he has his mask on and the, um, the two two main guys um, in the movie, um, uh, Scott Hamm and Walter Emanuel Jones, who was the probably best known as the Black Power Ranger uh, on Power Rangers in the 90s. You know, they get into the limo with him and you know, they're treating him like he is the greatest thing ever and showing so much respect and everything. And the whole movie is, you know, about them being back wrestlers in the backyard and everything, moving up to the backyard wrestling circuit and, and everything. And um, Hayabusa's, uh, a guy plays Hayabusa's agent. He shows this clip saying, you know, let me show you some Hayabusa, uh, some of Hayabusa stuff. And, you know, there's Hayabusa jumping off the moon or doing a moonsault off the cage and um you know doing a couple spots before it turns into just random fmw clips and everything and then um Hayabusa, um he actually speaks a little in japanese in the movie but pretty much it's just kind of in the first scene within the limo he's like you're gonna need to train to get better and then um there's a second scene um where he does as a where there's pretty much a, a small little match he is in the ring showing off his moves to the to the guys and um this other this uh wrestler in the movie uh one of the backyard wrestlers comes out and attacks Hayabusa they had a past uh, a, a former match or a, a previous match years ago and he comes out wanting revenge on Hayabusa and pretty much just, just Hayabusa kicks his ass doing all these his his signature spots and everything and then there's one spot towards the end right before the the main battle uh between the two guys and Hayabusa gives them you know some advice and everything and you know they they call I mean, his Hayabusa is their sensei and everything. So he's treated like he's respected in the movie and everything, but he's not really given much of an actual part in the movie. And um, he is so he was actually um, he told the story how he um, was in makeup and everything. The, a makeup artist comes in and they're like, oh, we got to do makeup for you. And he goes, no, no, I, I do my own makeup. Nobody can do the makeup between my mask like I can. No, I don't want that. And they go, no, no, we need to do makeup for you. Um, so that you look Asian, you don't look Asian enough in, in this movie, you, you know, you're not coming off as Asian, uh, when you don't have the mask and everything. So, um, Hi which Hayabusa actually found kind of funny because when he was in Mexico, people thought he was Samoan, but he, the, they didn't think he actually looked Asian. So he always kind of thought that was funny that, you know, he, he didn't, you know, he didn't look Asian enough for the movie. Um, so, um, pretty much. Like I said, it was a really bad movie, in, um, and it was a B movie that did really bad on like the review sites and everything like that. It went straight to the uh, straight to DVD and everything. There's some F and W posters and everything in uh, in the movie, but if you actually sit there and watch it, it's not a good movie whatsoever. Didn't do very well at all. But I mean, again, it's it's kind of cool to have the, to know like Hayabusa was in a movie distributed in America and everything like that. All right, cool. And um, I never actually saw this movie because I've never heard it's very good. And whenever I go to, I'm like, why do I want to spend 90 minutes watching it? But um, is it any good or? No, 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 it's not a good movie at all. It's literally, I mean, it's bad. It's um, it's the story. The, the script is bad, which is kind of funny considering they didn't want the script to be made public. But it was really bad. Um, 
you know, I mean, like I said, the only thing really worth watching in it is literally the three scenes with Hayabusa, and he's not in it until like an hour and 15 minutes into the movie. So, um, like I said, you know, it's kind of cool to see him do some moves. Like, there's a ring outside. They have, a, like, a, a, a ring and everything outside, and Hayabusa's doing all his moves and everything to the bad guy that attacks him and stuff. But, um, you know, and he speaks a little English in the movie, but... I mean that's the only thing worth seeing, worth watching, and it's probably three minutes out of a you know an hour and a half movie. So by no means would I recommend it, other than just to see the scenes with Hayabusa for historical reasons. All right. Well, going on, uh, FMW they ran a show on April fourth. If you want to go over that for us. Yeah. So I made mention last episode. Um, that you know, or not? I'm sorry. Last episode, last the last month was uh, Masao Tanaka attacked Koto Fuyuki and everything. Um, he said, "I don't want any part of the ECCW group or anything like that." Even stating like um, he not you know he's never gonna forgive Fuyuki. And and in the storyline, since he never he never did forgive Fuyuki, they always feuded. Um, but so FNW runs two shows in Sapporo. Like I may mentioned last episode, the Sapporo Nakajima Center, Sports Center had been closed down after 50 years. That was the big building that um, FNW always ran uh, twice a year. And due to decline and everything like that, they didn't feel like they had a mat. There was another building, the Sapporo Green Dome, but they, which was a big 6,000-seat building like the Nakajima Sports Center. But they didn't feel they had a card that could draw very well. So instead, they ran two shows at Zep Sapporo, which is like a nightclub and everything that could hold um, like 100 fans or so. And the first show, um, it, you know, the two shows are ECW versus ECW Japan versus FNW um, wrestlers and that's pretty much the whole show and so the first show is just separate singles matches and everything like that and um you know like if fnw wins they get a point ecw wins they get a point well it ends up being tied up on, on this is April third they end up being tied with Odo fuyuki going up against h and uh a transvestite that azusa kuda uh, or sorry, a, a transvestite that um, Chakoba Mukai is a fan of Chakoba Mukai ends up interfering over the head shoe, and and Fuyuki ends up getting the win and, and everything. So ECW Japan gets the win over FNW. This leads to April fourth, and Fuyuki announced Fuyuki prior to these two shows had announced uh, ECW is going to win both these shows, or I will retire. And so they won the first the first show four to three and everything. So now they're gonna do kind of like this gauntlet match uh, for April fourth, where it starts out Masato Tanaka against Ghetto. Well, uh, ECW versus FNW. Well, Tanaka defeats Ghetto, then Koji Nakagawa comes out. So now Tanaka's taking on Koji Nakagawa. Tanaka beats Koji Nakagawa. That leads to Jutto coming out. And then it's kind of like one of these like last man standing type thing, or you know, the team with that's that ha, um, you know the team that loses is the team that has all their guys eventually eliminated and everything. And you know, Jado eliminates Masato Tanaka, Balls Mahoney eliminates Jado, and it just keeps going and going up until um, H comes out and the ECW team, H is out for the FNW team, and there's three wrestlers left for ECW Japan. Well, Chakoba Mukai had defeated Willie Takayama. Um, Comes out and just destroys Chakoba Makai, finishes him in 16 seconds. Makai's done. And then Kyoko Inoue comes out and H ends up clearly defeating her in just under six minutes. No questions asked, you know, no issues, anything like that. Just straight win. Beats Inoue. That leaves it now to be H versus uh, Koto Fuyuki. 
and eighth ends up getting the win over Kodo Fuyuki. He ends up getting a Ganasuke clutch. Ganasuke again still hasn't returned from his um, uh, and so he you know it's kind of a tribute to. Uh, a tribute to Ganasuke that pinning with the Ganasuke clutch FMW team has won. Fuyuki now must retire. And um, as in, to add insult to injury, Masato Tanaka, Crazy Boy, uh, Tracy Smothers, all the ECW you know foreigner guys, they come out and start attacking. And um, you know Tanaka didn't even want to be a part of the Fuyuki group you know anyway, but now he's a part, you know because it's ECW they've kind of been forced to team. Tanaka's done with that. He is longer going to team with Fuyuki. Uh, you, you know, Tanaka state, states how um, Fuyuki's not at the real ECW. That's a fake ECW. He's a part of the real ECW. So Tanaka now is going to have all the foreign ECW guys a part of his group. The Balls Mahoney, Tracy Smothers, Crazy Boy, all those um, guys are going to be part of his ECW group. Koto Fuyuki now, his group is just going to be Japanese wrestlers. So there's that split. And so actually now has Masato Tanaka as the main heel going forward for the next month or so. All right, cool. Well, um, okay, this is going to go on to uh, April 10th. Uh, now, uh, people will probably know about this. This was really famous when it happened. Mike Awesome jumped to WCW. He appeared live on Nitro. I believe he attacked uh, Kevin Nash uh, during his debut. And um, this happened while he was still the champion for ECCW. Uh, this led to... Um, awesome dropping the title to, to Taz and Taz had it well part of the WWF uh, roster for a, a couple weeks um, but what does this mean for the relationship with F, FMW for the FMW ECW relationship because um, the big thing I was telling you about earlier was FMW was willing to have Masato Tanaka go to ECW for a couple months and in return Mike Awesome was going to to wrestle in FMW. Now, now, the only thing that was ever officially announced was May 5th was going to be, uh, the main event was going to be H and Mr. Ganesuke against Masato Tanaka and the Gladiator. Mike Awesome going back under the Gladiator name. So that was originally the schedule of May 5th. Now, I, uh, going through the Observer, I now these matches were never officially announced but um dave uh, was was stating how um that the the gladiator was going to work the actual the whole tour he was going to defend the ecw title against mr ganasuke kanamura jado and ghetto and so no but that was never officially announced the only thing that was officially announced was the main event for may 5th at uh komazawa but so there this is the, the whole build-up is mike awesome's going to return to fmw after two years and and be a big a part show and now he's not going to be a part of this show anymore because ecw wasn't paying him and now he's gone to ecw or sorry wcw and and so fnw has to just pretty much scrap everything that they were planning and reconfigure what they were going to do for the show and and everything so they were really upset with ecw they send a letter out um and ecw takes it personally going you know because they were really upset and everything over Mike Awesome uh, being uh, leaving and everything. And um, Paul Heyman takes this as a per personal attack on, you know, you're, you're pissed off at me. I had no control over this and everything. And FMW is going, no, 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 no. You know, or Shoshi, right? No, no, we're, we're just really upset about it. And, you know, we're upset at WCW and what they did. And, you know, they're trying to uh, um, pretty much pl placate to Heyman. Well, Heyman, you know, is pissed off over that letter and goes, 
and 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 Heyman now again I, this is what Heyman is telling Dave I have no you know I'll go with what Dave says it doesn't uh it doesn't configure with what Shoshi Arai would later say but Dave is saying you know that Arai and FMW have not been paying Balls Mahoney for several tours and everything and and which is kind of ironic with the whole you know ECW not getting paid but so Heyman's going you're not even paying Balls Mahoney and everything this is what he's telling Dave you know East the FMW is not paying uh, Balls Mahoney. I told FMW that the you know our relationship is off and everything. And so FM, um, FMW then you know they well they had other match wrestlers scheduled for the May fifth show. The New Jack was supposed to be on the show. Uh, Balls Mahoney was going to be on the show. They were going to be in a WEW uh, hardcore tag match and everything. And so. FMW then goes okay. Well, we're okay. We're gonna have to um, get in contact with somebody else to make to take uh, to replace uh, New Jack and um, Balls Mahoney, and eventually, you know, side. I don't know exactly what ended up happening. ECW stated, okay, we're good. We'll send Mahoney. We'll send New Jack and everything like that. We're good, but they never showed up. Um, that was the end of the FNW ECW relationship forever. Um, Masato Tanaka came back one time afterwards, um, but that was pretty much it out of the relationship. I don't know the exact details. Like I said, it was just, there was definitely a, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of bad blood between the two and just, you know, hurt feelings and everything. And New Jack and, and Mahoney just never showed up. And FMW uh, ended up bringing back Armageddon as a result, the uh, Samoan brothers, um, the Samoan tag team. Um, from a year earlier, but uh, all this as a result of Mike Awesome leaving ECW because he wasn't getting paid, and he after a while goes, "Why am I worse? Why am I wrestling? I'm the champion, and I am not even getting paid by this company because ECW was having big time financial issues. I mean, ECW ended up did not make it another you know eight nine months or so. They were they were closing down, and you know." This was the end of ECW also, so they're struggling financially. And so it's two struggling financial companies complaining about paying other wrestlers and everything when they're struggling to pay their own wrestlers at this point. Um, I just want to say I, um, I've i seen Balls talk about his time there, and he's never mentioned not getting paid in all the interviews I've seen. Balls Mahoney actually ended up coming back to FMW in 2001-2002 at the very end of FMW. And so, I mean, if he had taken it personal offense or something, you know, about FMW paying, you know, I wouldn't imagine he would have came back. But he did. He came back for um, three more tours that are at the very end of FMW. And, you know, he was um, – he became a regular again there at the very end. But So I don't know if that means anything, but I would, ima- I, I would imagine he got paid. And Shoshi Arai states that – Every wrestler got paid up until uh, the end of 2000. So, according to Shoshi Arai, everyone was paid. But um, yeah, I I seen Balls Mahoney talk too, and I've never heard him say he didn't get paid um, for the FNW stuff. Yeah. Um, also, at this time, uh, Sabu he uh, Sabu had left um, ECC W a few months prior, and um, he had went to XP. W. He had won their world title, as all of the new ECW guys did. and um, But he was announced that he was going to be on, be on the May 5th show. Um, now, we know that, he, you know, we have to jump back uh, a bit, but when there was a time when both uh, 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 companies were going to be on the show, 
how did they manage because you know they had done the heat wave incident by this point or they hadn't done the heat wave incident but the the the, the two companies weren't friends so how did fmw handle the politics of, of having talent from both shows no, so Sabu was not, not originally scheduled for the show. So when Mike Awesome pulled out and all the ECW guys pulled out, they go, we need a big name, a foreign name and everything um, to work the show. So they reached out to Sabu, having a previous relationship. It was XPW champion at the time. been nothing. It wouldn't have mattered. Um, they, so, so there was never a time where Sabu was also going to be on the show as well as the ECW guys. Once the ECW guys pulled out, they, they and Mike Awesome wasn't going to be on the show, they felt like they needed a, a bigger foreign name that the, the audience knew. And so they contacted Sabu, and he came in pretty much. He didn't fill in for Mike Awesome per se. They switched the card around, and Ganesuke was going to be, be a part of the tag team uh, match. But when they changed it around and made it um, Hayabusa versus Masato Tanaka, that left Mr. Ganesuke open, and they made a match between Mr. Ganesuke and Sabu. So Sabu would be on the show in place of Mike Awesome. All right. So, okay, this goes into uh, April 11th at Kuroken Hall. Uh, if you want to go over that show for us. Uh, yeah, so... Um, Again, the you know the crowd's not doing too well or anything like that. Um, I mean, they announce in sellouts, but if you look inside the crowd and everything, it's definitely not a sellout by any means. Um, the pretty much the two main matches on this show uh, were Koji Nakagawa, Jado, and Ghetto uh, defeating the big big Japan tag team of Ryuji Yamakawa, Tomoki Hama, and the Winger. Um, in for the WEW six-man titles. Um, they did a super power bomb on the winger, and Jada would end up getting the win. And again, so this just has to do with the Big Japan FMW relationship of, you know, Kanemura's going to lose here, the winger will lose here, uh, you know, Kanemura and Yamakawa, and, you know, they'll trade wins and everything like that. So it's just part of the working relationship uh, between the two. And then the main event, was um, Masato Tanaka and Balls Mahoney against H and Mr. Ganesuke. So Mr. Ganesuke, this is his first match back after um, the uh, liver damage. And, and um, so uh, pretty much right away, H you know comes to the ring and he gets on the top turnbuckle and Balls Mahoney grabs him and hits a nuts uh, nutcracker sweep off the top rope. And it's, I mean, pretty much like a fire thunder um, off the top rope. And H is acting like he's dead and balls mahoney is like freaking out like oh my did i just do he's seriously injured and so um h has to be carried away um the yoshinori sasaki and has to carry him out and everything and so for a little while it becomes a handicap match between masato tanaka and balls mahoney well koto fuyuki ends up joining the match uh, um kind of save time and everything uh, pretty much so it's not just a handicap match Fuyuki is helping Ganesuke in the middle of the match because Fuyuki is upset that Masato Tanaka you know kicked him out of the ECW group and everything so Fuyuki kind of right now is at this point is kind of neutral and everything he's not a heel he's not a face but I'm pissed off at Tanaka so I'm gonna help Ganesuke and Ganesuke needs a little break uh, in between fighting two guys and everything all this is going on H is backstage getting ready to become Hayabusa again. So he's backstage. He's trying to get his, you know, he's doing his makeup as fast as he can, get the mask on, get his pants on and everything. And the crowd goes crazy when Hayabusa hits the ring. 
And, you know, it's the first time Hayabusa has returned since August 25th. And he dives into the ring um, and attacks Tanaka. He starts doing the Hayabusa spots. He does a Asai moonsault into the crowd and everything. And the fans are loving it. They're so happy that Hayabusa is back. Um, Hayabusa, this is actually the only time um, that Hayabusa and Mr. Ganesuke teamed up. Because every other time they teamed up, it was H and Mr. Ganesuke. And so um, they end up, you know, having uh, this is the in uh, uh, Yuki ends up disappearing afterwards. He did, you know, you know, fill in time and everything for Ganesuke, and then he ends up leaving the match and everything. And um, like I said, it's it's Hayabusa doing his spots, and, and but eventually uh, Masato Tanaka would end up getting the Diamond Dust on Hayabusa. And so even though he just returned back with under the Hayabusa gimmick, Hayabusa ends up taking the pinfall loss over to um, from Tanaka. Tanaka gets the win. Uh, this is to set up um, Hayabusa versus Masato Tanaka. Hayabusa takes the mask off right away. He's going back to H and everything. So um, the fans at this time, at this moment, think that this was just a one-time deal with Hayabusa just coming back, back for this show. And are FMW, you know, are they booking long-term? Do they have a plan or were they just thinking, hey, let's just do this one thing and see what the crowd does? Well, what it is is, so they wanted to go back to Hayabusa right away, but they couldn't because they are under, um, Japanese companies are very, have a strong belief on the posters. If you're on poster, you're on the show. Well, the H look, the H gimmick already been distributed to poster up until like July or so, three months in advance. So you have posters in June and July for house shows and everything with the with the H gimmick uh, being shown. So that's what the fans are being promised, the H gimmick. So you can't just switch to Hayabusa right away So because they, they have to feel loyal to the poster and everything. So um, this was essentially yeah, to kind of get the uh, a gist of how can we, you know, introduce the Hayabusa character and everything, um, you know, just to kind of see how the fans loved him and everything. And they're going to continue with kind of H turning heel uh, and acting heel and everything, but there never really was a climax that they had hoped for that they were talking about. Like, because the plan was H to be this cocky heel and eventually just lead to, you know, as he going, I got to be Hayabusa. You know, this, this gimmick, this H gimmick is taking over me and I, I can't be a heel. I got to be Hayabusa. That was the long-term plan. Uh, but it, just ended up them just going let's just throw Hayabusa out there you know let's do this spot with um where he appears and gets the pop and everything and then after the Mike Awesome match or a Mike Awesome thing doesn't happen they end up announcing that okay this uh we're, we're gonna have to bring him back for this big show that will be the big draw of the show is Hayabusa is going to be introduced and everything because it's different between if you're just throwing a poster on for a house show or something like this. But hey, if you promote Hayabusa as the main in the main event, the return of the Hayabusa gimmick and everything, that's going to be a draw for the big show. So they use the Hayabusa gimmick for, as the big draw of this show because, yeah, I mean, he was still being H on house shows and everything at this time. Okay. So, okay. Uh, this takes us to um, on. Okay. So when they were building towards the, uh, the May 5th show, um, Shoshi uh, uh, Rai made some some comments that um, you know any wrestler who didn't like the direction of the company they could could leave. Um, what was this statement about? You know, where did he say it? Was it a work? Was it a shoot, etc.? 
I don't necessarily know. I, I hadn't heard about this previously. Um, the only thing is, is um, if if he did say it, the only one that would have taken up him up on the offer was Hito. Um, but I had never even heard of Hito. You know that being the case with Hito. So I think it was just one of those things where um, you know they're struggling, and a lot of and the thing is, a lot of wrestlers did not like the entertainment wrestling gimmick. I mean, I've talked to. Um, you know, I've talked to wrestlers about this, and I mean, it's it's mixed. Um, Kanemura, like you said, you know, or like I said earlier, Kanemura didn't like it, even though he's friends with Fuyuki. Ricky Fuji hated it. He wanted to leave FMW, even though he'd been there since the beginning. Then you know, but then you had Mr. Ganesuke, who was uh, he was down for whatever, whatever style you want to have, he'll do it. Hayabusa, he's already established he wants to keep up with the entertainment style and everything. So you had just kind of a locker room split of some wrestlers were okay with it, some wrestlers hated it because. Uh, you know, there were wrestlers like Ricky Fuji who was just like, this is stupid. The storylines are stupid. The crowds are going down and everything like that. And we're just keep we're just going to keep going with it. And this is dumb. And, um, you know, and it's just kind of like, oh, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. And then you never do. And, you know, um, but, um, you know, we, we talk about like just the entertainment and the Fuki thing. But, I mean, it really comes down to Shoshi Arai and, you know, Kota Fuyuki's just going to be Kota Fuyuki. He's going to do what he wants to do, his storylines, his how he wants to do wrestling, and that's how he believes. And Shoshi, it's Shoshi Rai's job to believe, okay, Fuyuki, you're not doing a good job, or you are doing a good job. But Shoshi Rai felt that what Fuyuki was doing was good. And, you know, you had, as a result, you know, he had final say, Rai had final say, and as a result, wrestlers, you know, Riki Fuji and Hizugatsu Oya, you know, Shoshi Arai's dead, and, you know, they're not going to say anything... Well, Ricky Fuji wasn't going to say any, anything bad about the dead, but but Hizagatsu Oya hated Shoshi Arai. He, you know, he made some disparaging comments after Shoshi Arai died, pretty much just saying he laughed. You know, because he did not like Arai of what he did FMW and everything. So, you know, it's just a mixed bag between all the FMW wrestlers. Some don't care. Some are okay with whatever. Some hate it and everything. And like I said, Shoshi Arai, you know, a lot of wrestlers did not like Shoshi Arai. They, you know, um, I mean, again, I spoke with Ricky Pucci. Hey, you know, what did you think of Kodo Fuyuki? He was a cool guy. He was a good wrestler, but he was a sucky booker. You know, I didn't like him as a booker and everything. And so, but he didn't like personally hate Fuyuki or anything like that. Fuyuki's doing his job. Ricky Fuji and, you know, some of the wrestlers feel that, you know, it was Arai's job to, we needed, you know, this needs to be changed. This isn't working. And Arai kept going with it. And, you know, I just went over earlier why Arai went over it. But, yeah, I mean, there were definitely wrestlers that were not happy that they kept doing it. And this might have just been a ride just going, you know, hey, if you don't like it, you know, leave. But it's a lot harder to just leave, a, you know, a job that you have. You're getting um, you're getting a certain paycheck. I mean, you know, let's say, you know, Kanemura is not enjoying it, but he's making $120,000 a year. He's not going to leave that contract on the board. He's going to – he'll, you know, he's going to look for alternative ways and everything instead of – you have you have guaranteed money. You have insurance offered insurance. You leave, you're going to be a freelance wrestler, and you're just going to make however much, and it's not going to be as much under FNW. So it just results in you know um, dis disgruntled employees, and that that's what ended up happening with FNW. There were uh, a mixed bag of disgruntled employees, and some were okay with it. And you know it's just who you ask. Um, in theory, if um, if they did want to change uh, styles, uh, would that break any type of contract with the satellite company? Well, yeah, it wouldn't break a contract, but DirecTV can just drop them. 
and everything. And I mean, at this time, you got to realize FMW is supposed to pay DirecTV a certain amount of money to distribute their the film. You know, their DirecTV is giving them this much, you know, certain amount of money, two million dollars or something like that, or um, it was like two hundred, was it two hundred thousand dollars a year or something like that, uh, or a pay, uh, I forget the number off the top of my head. But you know, they're giving them this certain amount of money to pay their their company to air the TV to air the the uh, shows and everything. And FMW wasn't paying the show, you know, paying the distributor to air the shows. They were getting it for free already because they were backed up on, you know, with financial debt elsewhere. And so DirecTV is being nice enough to like, oh, you know, I mean, hit a certain point where they're like, no, you need to pay us. But FMW was not even paying who they needed to pay and everything. So DirecTV is being really nice about, you know, certain things. And all they've, you know, they've requested like, hey, we're giving you this amount of money. You have to go under this style of wrestling we want to be american entertainment and everything and we want uh sports entertainment type wrestling and you know again shoshi arai feels like that is the best way to go and everything and so you know direct tv could probably drop them but second i mean direct tv ends up you know going away and fnw continued the style regardless Okay. Okay. So that takes us to uh, the May fifth show. So um, I'll let you just go over that show for us. So this show did decent um, as far as a big show. It was announced at forty two hundred. I think it's about a six thousand seat building or so. I mean, this wasn't by any means a big show compared to like the Yokohama Arena. They um, plot safer and everything. But you know, I mean, it did decent. It wasn't a financial hit or anything. Um, Pretty much um, the main matches, well, almost uh, several main matches. So Hideki Osanori Sasaki, um, on April 25th, they had won the WEW Hardcore Tag Titles against Kanemura and um, Hido. Kanemura was the WEW Hardcore Champion. Well, now they're making a division out of a tag team division out of it. And so they take on uh, the Samoans, um, Samu and Fatu. Um, I talked about it last episode. They were the or former Armageddon, which probably best known as Rosie and Jamal and uh, Jamal being Umaga later in WWE. Um, and, you know, this is just a wild hardcore match. Uh, the, the FX started brawling all the building and uh, Hideki Osaka scaffold dive and th- through the table. And um, eventually uh, Sasaki ends up getting the win. Um, and, and I may mention earlier in the episode, uh, Yoshinori Sasaki, you know, they have high potential for him. They feel like he's going to be something and, this is kind of, you know, he'd been a rookie or a prelim rookie type thing um, just in opening matches for the first two years. And now this is kind of his very first push and everything. He has a title. Him and Hideki Osaka are now the WWE Tag Team Champions. Um, so uh, I mean, and then Flying Kirichihara, um, he, so he dumped Shino Wakana and FNW ended up no longer working with Shino Wakana after April or so. And they ended up putting in place Keoruko Arai, who I may mention was the actress playing Arai's uh, niece and everything. She was a, um, and she, she's now playing in uh, Flying Kid Ichihara. And so you had, and I may mention uh, Ichihara was dating on the show uh, June Kasanagi, a porn star. So now they're having issues because Arai has a thing for flying Kitachihara. So they have a match with Keoruko Rai against Jun uh, Kazanagi. It's two minutes of horrible two uh, two girls that have no training and it's horrible. And flying Kitachihara is the referee and um, eventually Keoruko Rai kicks Ichihara in the back and then leading to uh, Rai uh, or Ichihara falling into Kazanagi. 
uh, Arai rolling her up for a quick win, and um, pretty much uh, Ichihara gets on the mic and is like, hey, girls, quit fighting over me. You can both be with me. And so uh, Arai and Kazanagi leave with Ichihara, who, you know, they're really going strong on him being like a Playboy gimmick, even though it never really went anywhere as far as money or anything. Um Kintaro Kanemura uh, challenges for the WEW Hardcore title against Ryuji Yamakawa. Um, this was kind of like the end of their feud after um, the last four months or so. Yamakawa had won the title from Kanemura um, back in February in Big Japan. So this was Kanemura getting his win back and everything. And They have a, another brawl all over the building. And um, they, this is actually the first match um, that light tubes were used in FMW. Uh, and th- what happened was they brawled to the backstage and Yamakawa ends up getting a chair and climbing up and just taking a light tube out of the light, um, a, a fluorescent light tube out of the lights on top of the ceiling and just grabbing it and smashing it over Kanemura's head. Um, so this was the begin- This was this. This was FMW's uh, fluorescent light tube debut. Um, there's two cool spots here. Uh, Kanemura does a dive off a balcony, uh, sending Yamakawa through a table, and Yamakawa comes back, and he does a um, a dive off the balcony, sending Yam- uh, Kanemura through the t- table. So they both do some uh, two cool dives. Um, eventually, um, Kanemura ends up hitting a Thunderfire power bomb on Yamakawa and he gets the win. He wins the WEW hardcore title and him and Yamakawa are now showing respect and everything. And, and they're going to be a tag team. They're going to be friends going forward in both FMW and big Japan. Um, Koji Nakagawa, uh, Jado and ghetto. They defend the WEW six man titles. This was a uh, Willie Williams return to FMW. He had defeated uh, Hito back in November um, I may mention, you know, he was Antonio. He had fought Antonio Inoki in the early '90s and everything. He was this karate fighter. Um, he teams with uh, Willie Yama, who was Hido. Uh, they were originally supposed to team up with Tarek Pasca, who was a Indiana independent boxer. Uh, he ended up no showing, and so Willie Takayama used his students, McGain and Buzo. Um, even so, it was four against three for a six-man match. Uh, but they were two little, two young, small boys, and um, so they count as one match. But uh, it's a short match, eight minutes. Nakagawa ends up uh, rolling up or uh, getting Takayama in a camel clutch, making him tap out. So Nakagawa, Jado, and Ghetto, um, they've been, you know, they've had a relationship. They've been partners for the last year plus or so. Um, you know, Nakagawa has kind of become one with Jado and Ghetto as part of their group and team, no respect and everything. Um, I mean, uh, Mr. Ganasuke, uh, takes on Sabu. Sabu is, uh, like I said, the replacement for Mike Awesome in this match. Um, the, a lot of table spots, Sabu does a spot where he, uh, lays a table over Ganasuke and does a, a fly, uh, jumps over the a chair and does a flying leg drop through the table and everything. And, um, eventually, um, Sabu ends up throwing a fireball, like kind of like how the Sheik would throw a fireball, you know, most like with the paper and everything um, into Ganasuke's face and everything. And Ganasuke, you know, the fireball hits Ganasuke in the face. And he rolls to the outside and everything. And um, so Sabu is, you know, waiting for Ganasuke to come at, come back and everything. And Ganasuke goes under the ring and grabs something. Well, then Sabu's uh, at the on the ropes, pointing to the sky, stalling pretty much. And next thing you know, Ganasuke blows this fireball like Mr. Pogo used to, this big giant 
fireball right at Sabu, right in Sabu's face. And so the referee sees that, both have thrown fireballs. So he th- throws the match out, no contest. Pretty much it was neither one of these guys should job. Sabu wasn't going to job to Taganosuke. Um, and there was no reason to have Mr. Ganesuke job to Sabu, considering this was just a one shot for Sabu. And Mr. Ganesuke was a name, that, you know, had had a name, and there was just no point in jobbing him to, set to Sabu, who wasn't going to lose to Sabu, uh, wasn't going to lose to Ganesuke. Um, the WEW uh, World Championship match, uh, Tetsuhiro Kuroda had actually vacated the title um, after no, no contest back in March 27th when guys, uh, when everyone ran into the ring and everything and the match was ruled a no contest. Well, Kuroda said, I didn't win the match, so I'm vacating it. I and this was so this was either one was going to be a, the new uh, WEW uh, champion. Well, before the match, uh, Kota Fuyuki comes out and he announces, yeah, so I was supposed to retire on the, this was going to be my retirement show and everything. Well, he and he shows um, a newspaper article on the big screen stating, you know, Fuyuki uh, that if ECW Japan loses, that Fuyuki will retire. Well, then he shows that the head on the newspaper was dated April 1st. So Fuyuki goes, April Fools, I'm never retiring. So Fuyuki is not going to retire, and um, he ends up uh, winning the match against Tetsuhiro Kuroda. This match is a completely—this is Fuyuki's dream booked match right here. Um, it it requires it has um, both Fuyuki and Kuroda putting white brief underwear over each other's face uh, and faces to like block each other's view and everything. They take turns. To- the underwear on each other's face and hitting each other with lariats and everything. And they brawl on the, on the outside. Fuyuki ends up grabbing a fire extinguisher and, and spraying Kuroda with it. Um, you know, they both bleed and everything. And eventually uh, Fuyuki ends up getting the lariat uh, with when Kuroda has the, the underwear face and Fuyuki ends up hitting the lariat and pinning uh, Kuroda. So now Kodo Fuyuki has won back the WEW world title. And then the main event um, is Hayabusa against Masato Tanaka. Hayabusa comes out in traditional Hayabusa costume and everything, the white jacket, and you know it's it's the traditional Hayabusa look and everything, even with just with some dyed hair in there. Uh, with but um, this is a good match. It's you know I may mention the 1998 match was great. This isn't great, but it's it's a it's a it's a good match that has a definite definite ECW hard style. Um, they really, they really, for being friends, they beat the crap out of each other in this match. Um, Masato Tanaka ends up doing the um, Mike Awesome, Awesome Bomb uh, on Hayabusa outside the ro- outside the ring through the table. So Hayabusa takes the big uh, table spot outside the ring. Um, Hayabusa, there's actually a, a really scary spot here. Um, I didn't know about it at the time, but um but so tanaka ends up grabbing hayabusa um by the the neck and he ends up doing a suplex and hayabusa lands directly on his head and hayabusa actually lost complete feeling in his body for like five seconds and he's like freaking out like he can't feel anything and suddenly the feeling came back into his body and everything and um you know it's a scary spot and something that would sadly end up happening you know, be a worst case scenario a year later. So Hayabusa considered himself lucky after this one because he he thought he was paralyzed after this spot. He it hurt so bad and not he couldn't feel anything. Um, Tanaka actually ends up knocking Hayabusa's tooth out during this match also uh, with a hard elbow and um, 
you know, Hayabusa does the traditional spots. He does the Phoenix Splash, uh, splash. He does the Asai Moon Salt and everything. Like I said, it's a good match. It's not great like the 1998 match, um, but it's a lot more physical and everything. And it's definitely more of an ECW style match. Um, Hayabusa would end up getting the H Thunder um, and eventually pinning Tanaka. And um, Hayabusa takes the mask off and everything you know he's still not Hayabusa full-time or and gonna be H going forward um, but he announces that uh, he wants a match with Kodo Fuyuki uh, for the WWE World Championship and so um, uh, Hayabusa H is gonna now begin feuding with Fuyuki for the title for the rest of the year pretty much oh and also after Tanaka lost um, Kentaro Kanemura, Jado and Ghetto um, took pretty much carried him off um, and walked out with him. And so you're left thinking that now Tanaka is going to form a group with them. Um, it ended up not taking place. He obviously would form a group with Jado and Ghetto later, but um, this would end up being forgotten. And uh, Tanaka would return back to ECW for a little time period um, for a couple shows or, or in May. Um, but he actually would take the next couple tours off and uh, would be gone from FNW for the next couple months. Okay, and um, also after the um, after this show, they announced that their uh, the television companies are going to be switching. If you want to go over that for us, yeah. So it was actually announced uh, at the show um, that Shoshiro came out and he announced that FNW was now going to be on Sky Perfect TV. Now, what happened? happened was in early 2000 so around this time period that finances are you know not doing well and they got to switch this is like february or so and they got to tell Haibu or, or you know Ezeki that the h gimmick's not working our ticket sales are down they also get told that direct tv is pretty much going out of business so this is who's been paying them for all these you know last couple of years or so and direct tv had been giving them thousand dollars um pretty much um a a year pretty much and everything so like i said in february 2000 they were contacted that they're no longer going to be paying them um and so pretty much what it was was um um they yeah direct tv was just pretty much like they don't have any money left they can't help us they can't help fmw anymore and um pretty much what it is is fmw is going to have to start negotiating with sky perfect tv uh to try and make a deal because it's either try and can try and get every little penny you can out of direct TV or just start fresh and just start a new deal with, uh, with sky perfect TV because you don't, you're not guaranteed money with direct TV anymore because it's going out of business. And so they end up negotiating a deal instead of trying to get every little penny out of direct TV. They just, we're going to we're going to negotiate with sky perfect TV. Um, and they negotiate a deal where, um, it's pretty much, they're going to make, uh, $160,000 a year. So, um, which is about, um, so it's a lot less than what they were making with the direct TV. Um, so they're only making, you know, a lot, uh, they're making only 160,000. So a big factor of the direct TV money or a big factor of their money coming in was through, TV. and then they're already still hurting and everything. Well, now they're going to get less money coming in. Um, and, and so, um, pretty much 
the the other issue is, and I thought this was going to be a good deal at the time. I was wrong here. But Sky Perfect TV was a much bigger company. Um, they had more channels. It was more uh, more more eyes and everything. So I was thinking at the time, like, oh, this is a good deal. More people are going to get to see FMW. Uh, there'll be more eyes because DirecTV, the whole issue with DirecTV was, um, you know, not that many people had it. And that's why eventually it went under. It never caught on in Japan. And so I'm thinking Sky Perfect TV. This is going to be a much better deal. No, it's not a better deal. Not only are they getting paid less money, um, you know, their package deal, their, you know, what they're offering isn't as as good. Um, they have to pay royalties to Sky Perfect TV uh, per broadcast. Um, they have to hire. Uh, they have to spend eight thousand um, dollars Perfect TV to distribute their shows and everything like. That. They have to pay uh, twenty five thousand dollars per broadcast. To Sky Perfect TV, um, and the, they have to now hire a uh, broadcast van um, for shows that outside of Corrigan Hall. Because you can do a um, Corrigan Hall show. There's a there's um, a broadcast room in Corrigan Hall, so you can like you know uh, zoom it out to the satellites and everything at Corrigan Hall. But if you're working Yokohama Bunker Gym or Kawasaki Stadium or whatever, you now they now have to have a, a broadcast van. That's eight thousand dollars a day um, to you know have that. So they're paying thousands and thousands of dollars, and um, uh, pretty much um, they're only going to make a, a total total. They're going to make about three hundred thousand dollars um, from uh, total from Sky Perfect TV. So you know I may mention they were making about eight hundred thousand dollars from Direct TV. So it's a lot less less than what DirecTV was giving. They were making a lot less, and so now less income is coming in for a company that's already hitting financial woes. Ticket sales are down. Everything's down, and now their DirecTV is, you know, their main source of money, top source of money, is no longer going to pay them, and now they have to cut a deal with a bigger company that's offering them much less, and now, and it, with, with DirecTV, they were the top name brand on the with DirecTV as far as wrestling goes, or um, with with Sky Perfect TV, there's New Japan, all these other companies. FMW is just a small company that means nothing to Sky Perfect TV at this point. And it's they're you know and they're actually still they're lucky that they're able to get this deal because they probably weren't gonna get anywhere close to a deal with anything else. So um, it's a, it's a sucky deal compared to DirecTV, but it's the only deal that they can make at the time. Okay, so this takes us uh, real quick on a detour. On May 12th, uh, FMW, they went to L.A. Um, uh, why were they there? So that actually was that actually took place at the E3 convention in Los Angeles. Uh, it was there to promote the Tokyo Pop uh, DVDs that were just about to be released. And so they brought in um, about... Uh, 10 FMW wrestlers uh, to help promote the to promote the DVDs by having them wrestle in the middle of the E3 convention. So they had a ring and everything. And what they would do is they had two different ma matches: um, Koto Fuyuki and Koji Nakagawa against Riki Fuji and Flying Kadichihara. And then they would do the main event: um, Hayabusa, Tetsuhiro Kuroda, and Hizagatsu Oya uh, against Mr. Ganosuke, Hideki Osaka, and Yoshinori Sasaki. And so they would do that match, uh, do those two matches, and then after a couple hours. Um, they would do the matches again, and then after a couple hours, they would repeat the match again. And so it was to try and get as many eyes and on the product and everything. So like they, they did a morning and afternoon and an evening, or you know, or at least 
you know, three different mat, three um, different shows essentially every couple hours to, to have, because there's going to be a different audience after a couple hours anyway. So it's just to get um, as much uh, eyeballs on the product and hey look this is this looks completely different and as most know you know the e3 conventions this big video game um convention where like all the video game companies uh display their new video games that are coming out and everything so um the this was to help out uh, try and get the fmw product out for the uh, tokyo pop company and uh, you, um, uh, also at the show ganosuke who he you know uh he suffered a pretty bad injury right yeah so he ended up uh buckling his knee ended up buckling pretty bad and so he would end up needing to be uh uh, uh with a cat um well with a, he'd end up needing uh um, with a uh leg brace and everything uh following this so like when he took the the nine hour flight back to japan he yeah he had to have his leg set up um the whole time which i'm sure is a miserable experience with a with a bum knee and everything on a long flight back and everything. But yeah, so he uh, ended up suffering a knee injury that pretty much um, uh, made him, made it to where he couldn't have a legitimate legitimate match for about two months or so. Um, But he was also scheduled for the main event uh, at the next Corgan Hall show. And we'll go over here in a second, pretty much how they would use the knee injury uh, in place as a storyline for the match. All right, and then on May 21st, Onita promoted his own show. Um, now, this was promoted as a retirement show for the fake Onita, uh, uh, yeah, uh, not character, but you know, full. he's a full-blown wrestler, and he'd been doing this gimmick for quite a while. We hadn't talked about him for a while. Um, if you want to go over that show for us. Yeah, so this was on May 21st at the uh, Differ Rocky, and... Um, Pretty much, it was yeah the fake Onita's retirement show. So there was a uh, Onita versus fake Onita match uh, to open the show, and then the, the main event was uh, Sushi Onita, Dick to Go, uh, Mitsunobu Kikuzawa, and the fake Onita, as well as uh, Shigeo Akamura against Shoji Nakamaki, Great Kendo, Viking Taniguchi, uh, who's Ichiro y- Yaguchi, as well as uh, Yashe Yaguchi. And this was just the, uh, the typical no-rope barbed wire uh, street fight death match. Um, the fake Onita would end up getting the pin uh, uh, as his last match. He'd end up um, coming back after a couple of years. His real name was um, uh, Toshiyuki uh, to- uh, Moria. And like I said, he came back a couple more times doing the fake Onita gimmick, but um, he had internal issues. Uh, internal issues going on and that's actually why he retired um as a result and then he would actually uh end up passing away in about 2012 but this was kind of his big shining moment and everything main eventing an onita match uh like i said onita helped him get the pinfall victory and then afterwards um the heels nakamaki Ten- uh yaguchi all that they all end up attacking onita and then the uh CCW guys, uh, John Zandig, Wife Beater, they all come out to the ring, and Zandig has, and they all start laying out Onita as well. And um, John Zandig has this weed eater, and he is uh, holding it up and everything, and he's acting like he's going to use it on Onita. He never does. Uh, Onita just—it's kind of this awkward scene where Onita's just looking at him and everything, and uh, Zandig is—it just ends up holding holding this weed eater like he's going to use it, but then never, never does. And White Beater ends up taking a CZW sticker and stapling it on uh, 
the fake Onita's chest. So he's screaming in pain and everything. And uh, Zandig ends up throwing a sh- or um, ends up just laying a shirt on Onita, and it's uh, called uh, it's a Z- CZW Violent Outbreak T-shirt. And so pretty much that's uh, Zandig's challenge to Onita to partic- to wrestle at the uh, upcoming CZW show in New Jersey. And that was the plan was it was going to be, you know, Onita wanted to do his exploding barbed wire match in the States and everything or a big explosion match. And this was his, you know, he, this is what he wanted to do, but um, it, ne- it never ended up, nothing ended up ever happening um, as far as Onita goes in the CCW uh, for the CCW aspect. But yeah, so they ended up um, just laying out Onita and just throwing the shirt on him. Onita would end up putting the shirt on him and cutting, you know, doing his Oni theater to end the show and everything, but the uh, CZW Onita angle just would never end up taking place. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that later uh, at the end of the, end of the show. Um, so on uh, on May 28th, uh, FMW, they ran Kurokin Hall. Uh, if you want to go over that show for us. Yeah, so this show actually did pretty well. It, it was a, um, if it wasn't a legit, they announced a sellout, and if it wasn't a sellout, it was uh, very, very close. You, you know, the it, it was announced at twenty one hundred fifty fans, and I mean it's packed and everything. So the Corrigan Hall shows are still doing well for the most part. There were some, there's still, so there were some struggles earlier in the year as far as Corrigan Hall, and this, and the house shows are still not necessarily good or anything like that. But this show did pretty well. Um, I mean. Like I said, the Corrigan Hall shows at this point are still strong uh, for the most part. But um, so this show is kind of like um, this show is kind of the start of the new season, pretty much. Like May fifth was the end of the last season type thing. So now we're, they're going to switch it switch it up again and everything. And so um, there's some there's some past aspects I'll I'll go over in a second. But um, Koto Fuyuki, uh, Kyoko Inoue, and Chakobal Mukai, they challenge uh, Koji Nakagawa, Jeddo, and Ghetto for the WEW six-man titles on this show. And like I may mention, Nakagawa, Jeddo, and Ghetto were, had been pretty much partners and everything, especially Nakagawa and Ghetto for the last, oh, about a year or so, over a year at this point. And, um, you know, they're having a, a normal match and everything, and um, it's about to... It looks like Ghetto is about to hit the frog splash and get the win and everything, but all of a sudden Nakagawa ends up grabbing a WEW six-man title belt and he comes in the ring and he just starts holding it up in the air, right? But he's blocking Ghetto, and Ghetto's at first is like, "Yeah, we're gonna you know hold you know these are our belts, we're gonna win," and then he's like, Nakagawa's not moving, and Ghetto's like, "All right, Nakagawa, get out of the way." What are you doing? And then Ghetto has to get off the turnbuckle. He's like, you know, what are you doing? And then Nakagawa hits him with the the WEW six-man title belt. So Nakagawa has turned on Jado and Ghetto, uh, ending that, that friendship. And this sets up Koto Fuyuki right away to hit a charging lariat on Ghetto. And Fuyuki, Inoue, and Chakobal Mukai end up winning the WEW six-man titles um, from on this show. And then... Um, in the main event, and uh, like I mentioned, um, you know, there's a little bit of past history here. So the main event's uh, H versus Mr. Ganosuke versus Tetsuhiro Kuroda with Koto Fuyuki as the special referee. It's a, a three-way match. Now, going back to April 25th, uh, Mr. Ganosuke had um, had a match with Masato Tanaka prior to the May 5th show. And Masato Tanaka, I mean, it's a, it's not anywhere close to the match they had a year prior or anything like that. 
like that. But Ganesuke bleeds buckets. He is he gets cut. He has a really deep cut here, and his whole face is covered in blood and everything. And Tanaka ends up getting the win. And um, H come. They end up attacking Ganesuke. East, East w Japan is attacking Ganesuke and everything like that. And uh, H hits the ring and you know clear, clears the ring and stuff. And um, he ends up cutting this promo. And it's you know again at this point he's superstar H. He has has this ego and he's talking you know i'm gonna beat you tanaka and everything um and ganasuke is pissed off because h has this has this attitude of like oh you just beat ganasuke no problem but you can't beat me and ganasuke takes offense to this and just slaps the hell out of h and ganasuke you know gets on the mic and is like are you just using me you know you have this ego attitude you're being a jerk now and and am i just like this pawn in your game and you know I'm I'm just the second banana to you and stuff like that and I you know I'm not gonna put up with this crap from you H and everything like that and but I mean they make up and everything but there's this resentment the that friendship that was there previous is with H and Ganasuke when they were tag champs just earlier in the year and everything that's gone now um, like I said they teamed up and Ganasuke didn't necessarily turn heel or they um, by this but they weren't as close anymore uh, storyline wise so. For this match, um, you know, like I said, and it's a it's a three way match, and like I said, it's a um, it's a really good match actually. Kota Fuyuki plays a great special uh, referee. Pretty much every match that he special re- refereed in um, was always a really was a success and everything. So Fuyuki's got his uh, WWE title belt on while he's refing and everything. And like I said, this is a, a really good match. But Mr. Ganosuke, he comes to the ring in crutches. And, oh, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm forgetting one thing real quick. Ganosuke also had made it seem like he had also done some heel tactics the day before at a house show. He was in a match because of his knee, and he had, um, against Kaori Nakayama, a female wrestler. And he had attacked uh, Nakayama during the match. He busted her open and everything. And um, H came out to make the save and was like, Ganosuke, what are you doing? And Ganosuke just wanted nothing to do with him. And so, like I said, they're not friends. You know, Ganosuke at this point, he hasn't fully turned heel, but there's the sign of, uh, you know, he's not he's not what he was as far as the face anymore. So, like I said, Ganosuke is, uh, pretty much takes a majority of this match off. He's just kind of in the corner while H and Kuroda are fighting against each other. H and Kuroda... Fighting uh, into the crowd and everything, and like I said, um, you know, Ganosuke is just kind of sitting there watching. He he has his knee brace and his crutches and everything. And uh, Fuyuki just wants, um, and also by the way, this is a number one contender match. The winner of this match earns a shot at Kota Fuyuki's title. So Fuyuki just wants to get this match over with, or possibly you know, have Ganosuke win the match and everything, um, because he's every time H and Kuroda are pinning each other. Fuki is making these fastest, as fast as possible counts. And so it eventually leads to um, H ends up getting a uh, Hurricane Rana win over um, a pinfall over Kuroda. And so Kuroda is eliminated. And then uh, right just seconds later, Ganosuke ends up smashing the crutch over H's back. And both Fuki and Ganosuke get on top of H. And Fuki makes this really fast count and gives the win to Ganosuke. And so Ganosuke is now officially turned heel. He And Fuki is um, 
you know, back the ECW Japan group is gone now and everything. Um, but Fuki is about to start his own heel group and once again. And um, so H is really upset by this. He got screwed over. And Shoshi Arai comes to the ring. And H gets on the mic or and he's like, you know, you need to overturn this. That This was bull. Like, they totally screwed me over. Fuki screwed me over. You have the power, Arai, to overchange this. And Arai gets on the mic. And um, a backstory to this is, and this is one aspect of Fuki's booking where, um, you know, a, the, a lot of it is questionable, but there's a lot, I mean, uh, all these angles and stories have backstories to them and everything. So going back to April 11th, uh, back when uh, H came to the ring as Hayabusa, he, um, you know, and everyone was so excited and everything, and Arai was really upset at, at H or Hayabusa because the Hayabusa gimmick was banned. Or, you know, it was banned last year. He wasn't allowed to just come back to, as Hayabusa and everything. So Arai is really upset at Hayabusa, and Hayabusa ends up just shoving Arai down to the ground. I'm, I'm not going to hear it from you type thing. So now fast forward to this show, May 28th. Arai is going, referee's decision is final. And, you know, you you shoved me a month ago and you think I forgot about it? You know, so I'm pissed off at you, Hayabusa or H. You know, I'm now siding with Fuki once again. And so now Fuki has started up his, like I said, started up his own uh, new group. It's going to be called Shin Fuki-gun. Uh, it's got, and it's going to have some new members. It's going to have Yoshinori Sasaki. It's going to have Hideki Osaka. It's going to have uh, Kiyoka Inoue, Chakoba Mukai. Um, and like I said, Mr. Ganosuke is going to be part of the group. And then also um, Koji Nakagawa, who had turned on Jado and Ghetto, he comes out in a new outfit. He, after eight years, is now going to become Goemon, named after a Japanese thief. So he is now changing Changing his name from Nakagawa to Goemon, and he's gonna come up. He's gonna have a whole new, a brand new uh, heel character. And so this is now Shin Fuki-gun, and it's gonna be Fuki and Arai as the number one. You know, as the power, they have the power once again uh, on the heel side in FMW. So it's kind of a repeat of last year, but they're switching it all up based off of ECW Japan wasn't a success. You know, that heel group, they needed to get away from it as soon as possible. And now the, um, you know, as, as well as the FNW group with H and everything, it's going to become Hayabusa uh, soon enough. All right. And um, real quick, uh, so during the show, Hito announced that he, he was going to be leaving the company. Uh, do you know why and what came of that? I believe it was just financial reasons. Um, you know, you may mention uh, earlier about how Arai was like, if you don't like the sports entertainment uh, aspect of FW, then, you know, get out. Now, I don't know if Hito took that word, you know, took those words, was like, all right, I'm out of here. But I know Hito wanted to continue to do the deathmatch wrestling and everything. Um, but again, I don't necessarily know why he left, but I would just a guess. I would just think it's more of, I want to wrestle death matches and, uh, F FMW, you know, I don't want to, FMW is starting to not the, the finance issue and everything like that, it might help me to leave and get fine, you know, get paid elsewhere. But he was still contracted with FMW, so he ended up going to America and wrestling in IWA Mid South for about a year or so. And and also, I mean, in the interview, he states, "I'm going to leave for six months on an expedition. I'll be back in six months." Well, he never came back. He ended up staying in America for about a year or so. Uh, he ended up 
thing, uh, loser leaves town match against Necro Butcher in July 2001, and afterwards he just ended up going to Big Japan um, up until the end of FMW and everything. So um, he ended up, you know, like I said, he 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 became Hito again. He, he was doing the Willie Takayama Karate Boxer gimmick and everything, and you know he ended up just going back into his deathmatch roots and uh, wrestling the likes of Pond, Man, Man, uh, Madman Pondo, Necro Butcher, you know guys like that, and you know that's what he wanted to do. All right, and um, so also at the end of May, Misawa and most of the All Japan roster, uh, they got into a uh, you know they it's it's very famous they had a big disagreement with Makoto Baba and they would leave and they would go on to to form Noah, leaving all all Japan with just a handful of uh, 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 guys left. Um, how does it does how does this affect FMW? So yeah, it actually had ended up uh, taking place in early June. Uh, Misawa ended up announcing that him and all the All Japan native wrestlers, everyone besides Masafuchi and Toshiaki Kawada, were leaving All Japan. Um, you know, Giant Baba had passed away in 1999, and Baba always had this uh, deal with the wrestlers, pretty much. That was, I'm the good guy. Everyone loves me, and Motoko Baba, my wife, is the bad guy. And so everyone for that worked for All Japan as far as a native wrestler, never really liked Motoko Baba, and now she's in charge and everything. And uh, Misawa ended up deciding, you know, after a year, I've given my respects to Giant Baba, and I want to start my own company. So everyone in All Japan left, besides, like I said, Kawada and Fuchi, as well as some of the foreign wrestlers, and they created Pro Wrestling Noah. Well, Kota Fuyuki hears this, and he's thinking, like, hey, you know, the reason that I pulled out of All Japan as far as the talent relationships go with FMW was because I didn't want to deal with Motoko Baba and just, you know, the this way of All Japan's never losing type thing. And so, uh, you know, Fuyuki and Misawa are friends. And so Fuyuki decides that he, and uh, you know, he, get, he ends up um, getting in, in contact with Misawa and they have a meeting and everything and they're going to FMW and Noah are going to work a talent exchange for the rest of the year uh, um, pretty much some of the Noah guys are going to come over to FMW and at the end of the year uh, Fuyuki and Kuroda are going to end up working the big Noah show to, uh, at the end of the year but so this was just a different way of it was pretty much kind of the realignment of the the all Japan FNW relationship from a year prior, but now it's going to be FNW and Noah. All right. So okay. So this goes on. Um, the next F the next big FMW show they ran July sixteenth on Kurokan Hall. Um, if you want to go over that for us. Yeah. So um, this was another announced sellout. Um, so I mean, like I said, the Corrigan Hall shows are doing pretty well at this point. Um, Kentaro Kanemura ends up. Uh, coming to the ring, and so, you know, Kenamura had been a part of Team No Respect. At this point, the only members of Team No Respect were Jado and Ghetto. Well, Fuyuki sees all his old friends, Fuyuki, Ganasuke, everyone, you know, now they're formed this Shin Fuyuki-gun, so he announces that he is now disbanding Team No Respect, Team No Respect is ending, and he is going to join the Shin Fuyuki-gun, so now he's a part of the new group of the new heel group and everything. And uh, Kanemura ends up teaming up with Hideki Osaka, uh, Yoshinori Sasaki, and they would end up defeating Tetsuhiro Kuroda, Hizagatsu Oya, and Flying Kid Ichihara when Kanemura would end up pinning Ichihara. 
And um, the main storyline for this show was that H had announced that he was going to team up with Hayabusa. And nobody, but nobody knew who Hayabusa was. How was H going to team up with Hayabusa? And they were going to take on uh, Koto Fuyuki and Goemon. Now, the gimmick to this match was, um, and and I, there was so much going on, I ended up forgetting this aspect of the uh, May 28th show, was so after Arai turned heel and everything, the Shin Fuyuki goon, Ricky Fuji came to the rink. And he was really upset over uh, Shoshi Arai once again turning on Hayabusa or H and turning on FMW just after last year he did it, you know, a year earlier. And so Ricky Fuji's really upset. He throws Arai down. He starts kicking him and everything like that. And so Arai is now really upset at Ricky Fuji. Well, a couple days later at a house show, Ricky Fuji's at the gimmick table, uh, you know, uh, selling merchandise and everything like that. And Shin Fuyuki Goon come up to him and grab him, tie him up, and kidnap Ricky Fuji. They throw him in this van, and they take off with him. And so Ricky Fuji has now been kidnapped. Uh, they do these videos with him where Ricky Fuji's just, like I said, he's all tied up, and they he has little water, and they just pretty much um, kidnapped him and everything. And he's just, uh, you know, he's pretty much, there's no way for him to get out. And, and so... He is, so Shin Fuyuki Goon announced, you know, they have Ricky Fuji captured and everything, and if H and Hayabusa lose, they're going to blow up Ricky Fuji. And so Koto Fuyuki is showing the dynamite and everything. I have the dynamite. Look, we have the power to, to kill Ricky Fuji. And so Mr. Ganosuke, who has that knee injury, so he can't wrestle, he is going to um, take Ricky Fuji to Mount Fuji, and they're you know they're gonna stand they're gonna be out there all show and if and you know they do some skits in the uh, during the show and everything where Ganosuke's taunting Ricky Fuji and Ricky Fuji at this point is acting like he is just you know starving and um just done with it just just all his will has been knocked out of him and everything and like I said Ganosuke is just kind of mocking him and laughing at him and stuff like that and has the dynamite with him and so like i said so if if the fuyuki team ends up winning then ganasuke is supposed to blow blow up ricky fuji at the end of the show well so uh this match like i said it's, h just comes out by himself against koto fuyuki and goemon he comes out but he has the uh dark side hayabusa gimmick but he's just not wearing the mask he's got his hair all blonde and everything but he's wearing the the black hayabusa uh tights and everything those um uh, those um, Arabian pants and uh, or the ninja pants. And he ends up wrestling a handicap match pretty much by himself for the most part. He ends up um, getting busted open really bad here by Fuki and Goemon, and they're just um, destroying him pretty much for the most part. Well, then um, after about, you know, a little over 10 minutes or so, then Hayabusa's music all of a sudden starts playing and out comes Tenru dressed up as Hayabusa. And he's going crazy. He just hits the ring right away, and everyone's just screaming. And the crowd is going nuts that Tenru is, has appeared, and he's dressed up as Hayabusa. And he comes in the ring. He starts laying some punches to Fuyuki. He ends up hitting a powerbomb on Fuyuki. And H ends up climbing the top rope and hitting a 450 Firebird Splash. And H ends up getting the pinfall over Fuyuki. And afterwards, you see on the, like, FNW Tron, um, you just see this big, giant explosion take place. And it, everyone is like, uh-oh, wait, did he kill Ricky Fuji 
anyway. And so H is freaking out, and H runs to the back and everything. And so that's the end of the show, and you're left wondering, wait, did Ricky Fuji just get expl- you know blown up pretty much? And um, what what type of a draw is Ten Ryu at this point for the company? He's still, I mean, he's still at this point a, a big draw as far as just Japanese wrestling in general. I mean, he. Uh, we talked about Motoko Baba. Uh, you know, t- pretty much every all the All Japan wrestlers leaving. Well, Tenru would end up uh, joining Baba and All Japan and everything, and pretty much having a, a whole new, brand new career. He would end up winning the Triple Crown. He'd be feuding with Mudo and everything. So he was still a draw. Um, I mean, he was still, you know, at the end and. Uh, he ended up competing on one of the FNW shows at the very end, and it wasn't necessarily a draw or anything like that. But I mean, it, he, you know, he wasn't a negative by any means. Like I said, I mean, he probably helped all Japan more, but um, there was, you know, he was still on some pretty big shows for FMW, um, you know, here at the end, and he, you know, he was tight with Yuki, and so he would was always willing to help out um, FMW when called on. All right, and uh, and then uh, the final show uh, that we're going to talk about is me the the June twenty first show. So if you want to go over that, yeah. So uh, show and this show wasn't actually even aired on pay per view or anything like that, but it um you know it was a near it was also announced as a near sellout, but um. To start the show, Mr. Ganesuke comes out, and Shoshi Arai wants to know, like, did you blow up Ricky Fuji? And, and Mr. Ganesuke goes, no, I ended up having second thoughts on it, and we ended up leaving. I ended up taking off of Ricky Fuji, and then something set the dynamite off, and that's what caused the explosion. And so Ricky Fuji is alive and well, so um, he's actually going to be in the main event of the show uh, against the Shin Fuyuki-gun. But um, so Kentaro Kanemura is has a match with uh, Hizagatsu Oya, and his and again this is just the entertainment Fuyuki booking and everything. Uh, Hizagatsu Oya sees Kaoruko Arai, who she hasn't turned heel or you know she just been with Flying Kidichihara and everything. Um, they've been they're dating at this point, and uh, Arai ends up offering him some pills. Um, I don't I don't know necessarily what kind of pills they were supposed to be. But they would end up being sleeping pills, and so Oya ends up taking the sleeping pills, and you see, you know, Oya walks away with the pills, and you see Kentaro Kanemura show up, and he's got this big grin on his face, and he's got a razor, he's got an electronic razor in his hand, and so he waits for Oya to uh, pretty much pass out from the sleeping pills, and then goes into his locker room and shave his head, but not. Not completely bald, just leaves this patch of hair. So Oya has this horrible haircut, and um, they have a match. And Oya comes to the ring, just completely drugged up, pretty much, and with his hair uh, head half shaved and everything. And Kanemura just ends up destroying him. He ends up sending him through this table, um, and and Oya is just no match for Kanemura under his condition. And Kanemura ends up getting a win in under three minutes over Oya. And then um, the main event of the show, and this is also, so I may mention back in May, you know, Ganesuke ended up winning a, a that three-way for the uh, number one contendership for Fuyuki's title. Well, he never ended up taking, um, he never ended up getting that shot. He, um, you know, just turned it down. You know, he's a part of the group of Fuyuki and everything, so he never got that shot. Well, now they've announced that if H, H's team gets, 
gets the win on this show, then H will get a get a shot at Fuki's title. This whole time, you know, the rest of the year is pretty much dedicated to Hayabusa chasing for the WEW title. Um, so the main event is H, uh, Tenru as Hayabusa, Tetsuhiro Kuroda, and Miki Fuji against Koro Fuyuki, uh, Mr. Ganasuke, Goemon, and Kyoko Inoue. Um, you know, this pretty this match is pretty much just to uh, put the spotlight on Tenru actually. Uh, all the heels are attacking Tenru, and he is just not even selling. Like, Inoue is like a comedy spot. This woman, you know, trying to beat up Tenru. She has no chance. And Gosuke and, and Goemon, they end up um, just getting knocked out by Tenru, uh, with, with Tenru selling very little for this match. Um, and the ending spot is actually Fuki uh, takes the Hayabusa mask off Tenru. So it's revealed that he is actually Tenru and everything. And Tenru ends up going crazy again on Fuyuki and there. Um, and eventually it leads to uh, H once again getting the pinfall over Fuyuki. And so this is to set up a future match with Fuyuki versus Tenru, but it also sets up H just now the number one contender for the WEW uh, World Championship. All right, and that will do it for the FMW News. Um, so I just want to ask, so the last show that uh, when we stopped... Um, FMW was kind of digging a big hole of debt, um, and uh, I just wanted to ask, you know, how is the company doing financially now compared to uh, at the end of 1999? Well, at the end of 1999, I may mention last, uh, last episode, you know, they the big thing that happened to them was, and they were in debt anyway, but their tax, their, the, they've been taking the taxes out of all the paychecks of the wrestlers and and everyone with the company, and they, but they weren't giving it to the government. They were just keeping it for themselves. Well, after two years, the government found this out and they had to pay it all back at once and everything. So they went from like 30, you know, uh, $34,000 debt in debt to over a hundred thousand dollars in debt right away. Now, at this point, this was not a successful year or by any means. Um, but at this point, with how passionate Shoshi Arai was, you know, he could have he could have ended the company right there. You know, okay, I, I'm in debt, get me out. But he did not want to. Uh, he did not want to. You know, own, he didn't want to make Onita show Onita like, look, I couldn't run the company without you, type thing. So he was really stubborn to a fault at this point. So he kept the company going, and I already made mention. You know, so um. You know, they had the direct TV and they were making $800,000 a year and everything. Well, Sky Perfect TV, you know, that's about to start up here. And so the money coming in is about to take a big time hit. So right this second, June 2000, it's doable. They could probably live off the, the amount of debt that they're in right now because of because of Shoshi Arai and how passionate he was to keep the company going and everything. So at this point, it's something that they could keep doing. But they can't take any more loss and that's what ends up happening you know it get, ends up getting a it ends up getting worse as the year goes by and everything like that so um as far as just you know how they're doing it's not good but they can live off it right now it just can't get any worse and it's about to get worse um yeah you're I'm excited for that. So okay, so um, two more notes. Uh, the first is uh, the on June 25th. That so June 25th was the date that was supposed to be the CZW led Onita versus Funk pay per view. Um, now both Onita and Funk had confirmed that they were going to do it. 
uh, a few times in various media. Um, the day came and the show was canceled. Uh, it was canceled maybe five days be before the actual show. CZW would uh, actually run a show uh, in a different state and they would do uh, a big deathmatch show for that era and stuff. But um, w like, what were the initial plans for what the match would be and why did it just not happen? Well, yeah, so, the, so what ended up happening was, you know, John Zane... And Dig was like, hey, we're Onita, I want to do this six-man death match in a stadium in New Jersey. I want the ring to explode, everything like that. You, and Onita's like, this is my dream. I want to have this match. I've always wanted to have this exploding ring match in America. And this, you know, John Zandig, he, hey, he, you know, he works for Big Japan and everything. He, he could possibly get this done with his connections and everything. And also Terry Funk's supposed to be in the match. So Onita's all in on this. Well, you know Terry Fun Ter Terry Funk agreed to uh, be a part of this match, but he John Zendig was supposed to pay him um, in advance, or at least like half the money in advance. And Terry Funk never got that money, so Terry Funk is like, "I'm out of this. Uh, this this isn't happening." So Terry Funk pulls out after never getting paid his advance, and that pretty much led Onita to go, "Okay, this isn't really happening. Like if Terry Funk's not getting paid, and you know." Um, I don't. I'm kind of starting to believe that this isn't really the case. I haven't heard anything. We're we're getting closer to it, and every and you know, because like I said, that that Onita show to set the show up in America took place May 21st, so that was just like a month away, pretty much. And so I, I would imagine just after a couple of weeks, you know, Onita is going, okay, th I haven't heard anything. I haven't gotten I haven't gotten paid or any contact about this match. Terry Funk is just pulled out, and so. I think it's pretty much everyone's under the impression the match isn't happening. But the original match was supposed to be Asushi Onita uh, teaming up with Nobutaka Araya, who was probably best for wrestling in wing in the early 90s in the war, uh, as well as Ichiro uh, Yaguchi, who was Onita's, who's Onita's right-hand man. He, was, he participated in the CCW show uh, last year. Um, he has, you know, he's the one that looks like Ghana kind of uh they were supposed to team team up to take on terry funk john zandig and a mystery partner that was going to be chosen by terry funk in an explosion ring match in a stadium in new jersey it's supposed to be this crazy show and yeah i mean it just it was pretty much everyone got the impression after terry funk pulled out this show isn't happening and they were right the show just never ended up happening um like you said, you know, um, it, it, another show ended up taking place on uh, on this day in Sewell, New Jersey. Um, the show was originally, like I said, was supposed to be called Violent Outbreak. It ended up being um, a show called They Said It Couldn't Be Done. And it had a exploding barbed wire match on the show, but nothing like what they were promising, nothing like they were talking about, like having an explosion ring, exploding ring, having it in this big stadium nothing you know terry funk onita the japanese guys nothing like that ended up happening and onita would just move on to somebody else to try and make his dream happen um so i'm curious uh you, you know you mentioned that they didn't um they didn't pay terry funk his advance did they rent on you know a a, a building or anything for it 
Yeah, they ended up taking it ended up being an outside show. Uh, like I said, Sewell, New Jersey. Uh, so they ended up booking another building and everything, but it wasn't the building that w- the show was originally supposed to take place in. Um, I never, I couldn't find any information about what the actual building was or anything like that. But it was, it was. I mean, the original reports were it's going to be a thirty thousand seat, a uh, thirty thousand seat you know, stadium in New Jersey. It's going to be a live on pay-per-view. It's going to be this big deal. And I mean, it was just a standard CCW show outside what it turned out to be. It was, yeah, it was going to be in a a place in, uh, uh, called the electric factory or the electric warehouse. There's a little bit of info online about it. There's even an early card of it, but, um, uh, but yeah, like I've always heard, basically that that no one ever got paid and everything else um one other note just quick um i heard a john zandig in uh 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 he talked about it one time and he said this is probably just a face-saving story that um on may 21st they attacked oh they attacked oh onita too hard and onita was angry that they wouldn't let him stand up so in the photos onita is 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 seen cowering the whole time, and that Onita said, I can't trust these guys, they're too wild. That's John Zandig's side of it. But anyway. Um, yeah, but, you know, I, I'm sorry, I was going to say, you know, I, I watched that footage and everything, and they don't even really, like, attack Onita. I think White Beater may have, you know, kicked him and stuff, but it was all the heel, the Japanese heels that attacked Onita and everything. Now, again, Onita is just sitting there just watching Zandig. Uh, with with the weed eater and everything, but I don't even think Zandig ever even touches Onita during the interaction and everything. So, um, you know, I would imagine that 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 was just something he made up, like you said. So, okay, uh, with with that, Brett, um, if you want to finish us up, uh, is there any news to re to report about what's going on now? Um, the only thing is just the freedoms. Uh, next freedom show is going to be on August twenty. Uh, 20- Seventh, uh, I believe, and it's going to be at Corrigan Hall, and it's going to be uh, June Kasai's 20th anniversary. He's going to challenge for the King of Freedom World Championship against uh, Masashi Takeda in a death match, and it's going to be—I'm sure it's going to be an awesome match. And you know, the undercard. There's not too much to the undercard. Uh, Violent Jack against Kinji Fukimoto is the semi-main event. Um, you know, nothing really else to the undercard. But I'm pretty sure with how hot Takeda is right now, and um, you know, June Kasai is like. They did a poll uh, not too long ago, and Jun Kasai is like the 12th most popular Japanese wrestler right now. So they are, um, you know, I'm guessing this show is going to do well over a thousand fans, which will be, you know, a great, will be, it'll be an awesome image to see with how rabid the fans are for this match. And it's, yeah, it's going to air on Samurai about a week after the show. Yeah, I keep calling it. It's the uh, the deathmatch equivalent of Hogan Warrior. Is what I keep thinking. Uh, I'm really excited for it. So, um, okay. So, uh, Brett, if you want to let us know, uh, where can people find you online? Yeah, you can. Uh, you can find me at uh, bahufnw.com. I have all the news results. Um, I have pictures, biographies, everything, almost 20 years worth of work uh, for this site uh, about FMW and all the promotions that have followed uh, um, after FMW. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BahuFMW, and then you also can find me on Instagram, BahuFMW World. I post all these different pictures uh, from FMW from magazines uh, throughout the 90s and everything. And then also uh, Brett FMW, where I post uh, pretty much videos 
videos of these podcasts um, that we do. I show all the footage that we're talking about. So if you're listening to this on iTunes and you want to see what we're talking about, uh, I'll, you know, I'll about a week after each episode, I'll post on YouTube all the footage that we're uh, showing, all the footage that we're talking about, along with um, along with us talking. Yeah, yeah, they're awesome. And um, uh, you can find me, uh, IndieWrestlingIntl.wordpress.com. I do a twice a month or so newsletter about all of the deathmatch stuff from America, Japan, Mexico. And I actually, if you want to keep up on deathmatches in audio form, uh, I just started another uh, 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 show. It's called uh, the... Uh, what did I call it? Deathmatch News Radio is what I came up with. Uh, it's with uh, this guy named Mike. He runs a couple of the Deathmatch uh, pages on uh, Facebook. You can find that on the THT network. Uh, so if you want to look up uh, the RSS on iTunes, just search THT and it'll be there. And that'll be like twice a month as well. So, all right. With that, we will see you guys later. And we're going uh, to come back with the second half of 2000 as we get closer to the end, sadly.